This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 230. Preliminary Guide to Universities of Jolnar and the Mentac Coalition. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. In talking about uh, the doing this episode, I had basically Jolnar and I had Arborek on my plate. Yeah. And if you want to preface into what my Jolnar guide is going to look like, uh, we did a multi-draft game and where we forced Jolnar and Arborek into it. And <laughs> the reason we're doing a Jolnar guide is because none of the slices were feasible for Arborek, even a little bit. Yep. And so the yep. answer to that was, well, Jolnar can play in anything. So if, if you want to know what Matt's Jolnar guide is about to look like, uh, it exists because he couldn't play an Arborek game at all. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, and you know what? I'm just excited because we're winding down. We're almost yeah. done. That's true. We only, who, who else we got left? We got ghosts. We Arborek got... and extra. Wow. Yeah. Easy peasy breezy and then the show's girl. over you know it's easy so man what a, what no. a finale <laughs> show's not over show's not over and in fact matt do we want to tease a little bit what our ideas are for what faction type stuff will i mean i, I know we've teased it in the future Talk but a lot about i'm it. just i'm just really looking forward to playing because it feels like we've been kind of sprinting through stuff yeah it feels like it's been it like wasn't at old... first and then it felt like it was taking too long to do these prelim guides and so then it started to feel like Every month we do like a sprinting session, basically. I just like, I like to play the same faction over and over for like a little while and really, really just kind of like throw my brain yeah. at it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I just kind of want to have, I like, I can't wait to just say, okay, so the next arc of the show is like minimum 20 something months right. of work. <laughs> And we just well, month I mean, by min- month. Minim- literally minimum 24 months. Like li- minimum two yeah. years is the next arc of the show. Yeah. <laughs> How should we organize it next time? Because we've, we've, we've organized the factions by just our, our vibes. Yep. We've done vibes. We've done release, release order. order. Yep. And then we've done vibes again, actually, Uh-oh. I realized. Yeah. We sort of did vibes again. I think it's just going to be vibes again, because I think the key to the next one is we're going to be digging in so hard to each faction that it's going to be like, it. I got it's got to be something I want to play for the next month. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Month or more. Yeah. I think you should, I think you should consider as this arc is closing, think of it like this. We are not concerned with doing this beginner stuff again we've done we focused on onboarding a lot yeah and i think we have so much onboarding content for each faction that somewhere in there you know you've got three episodes per faction somewhere in there you can figure out how to, how to start playing this <laughs> faction right but what i'm interested in now is going to grad school you know right. what i mean right i want i want to how do you get your masters you know yeah. in these factions and that's what i want i want to start giving out you know and eventually it'll be about the phd and <laughs> dissertations and well okay stuff. let's spell out what that show looks to like. eventually get so theoretical that we never even talk about the game we said a month at a time what does that mean it means uh we, wh- what we've t- discussed being interested in is this sort of idea of 
month to month, and it will be longer than a month per thing because we're going to want to squeeze in Galactic Council episodes. We're going to squ- want to squeeze oh, in yeah. other topics and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, month in and month out, we would really like to dedicate two factions. I mean, the realistic factor of this game is we've also over the course of the entire show covered like all of the other basic components right so all that's left in that realm is like finding just sort of more debates and roundtables to have and that stuff's fun but isn't like a constant thing it is a faction based game and there's 24 factions so it's kind of rife with content in that yeah it's so the, the the goal then being within each month we'd like to have a sort of like Here's our episode where we just throw spaghetti at the wall. Here's our here's our nonsense mentac guide where we're yeah. not talking about the the key ideas that make for a good reliable mentac game. We're just going to talk about the weird stuff we want to try and just see if it gives us any new ideas. And mm-hmm. then, you know, it's like it's like a hypothesis setting episode. Yeah. And then like a follow-up episode to that of like, okay, here's how our testing's going. This is just purely anecdotal. We're just talking about games we've played with this faction recently. And then, like, ideally the end of the month having, like, that final synthesis. Like, if you want to sound like a freak when you talk about this faction because of how much you've investigated it, this is the episode for you. Uh, Newcomers might be very confused at how hard we go on some very intricate details about this faction. That's yeah. I think the I think that's the feeling. That's what Hunter means. I, so I don't want people to think like new newcomer. There won't be anything left for newcomers. But I think there will be an episode a month where it's like if you're brand new to this game, uh, one episode a month might be uh, trickier to digest if you don't have things all in your brain, right? Yeah, or it'll just be more fun because it's going to be more out there mm-hmm. and and maybe wackier. Uh, yeah. That's kind of my hope. Um, Ditto. Because we've we've done the 101 thing. For a while, right? Um, and now it's time to to get weird. And also, I have a weird thing. I have a weird project. I want to I want to throw out that I've been uh, tossing around on my noodle. Um, I want to record a win with every single faction. Yeah, yeah. So you myself you, and you you've always been this kind of way. But it's like you want to play a faction until you get the win. You mm-hmm. want the win on record to kind of prove your your hypotheses. You want the conclusion, and the I conclusion is the win. Yeah. Yeah, because I think it's not enough just to have the, just to have the ideas that sound like they are sound. You have to, yeah. you have to test them in the wild and see does this actually add. And up it's not to enough to get one victory. of those lucky wins, right? It's not enough. That's mm-hmm. not the win we're talking about. We're talking about this strategy led to explicitly a win. This outcome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's tough, uh, and it's it's about to get uh, way more sciency and uh, way wilder, way goofier. Yeah. In here, you should expect. But for now, um, we are. Just kind of winding down. We've got a few factions left to cover. Cover. Uh, it looks like Matt, you want to talk a little bit about little bit. tabletop playground. Yeah. So hey, uh, if if you haven't listened to our uh, post a couple days ago, it doesn't have an episode number, but it's just regarding tabletop simulator. Um, I encourage you to go listen to that for a lot of context because we're not going to get into it all here. But I've had a lot of people reaching out, um, primarily with just concerns of like. Hey, I'm totally down for an alternative to Tabletop Simulator. Um, I just don't want it to suck because I've seen loads of other programs and and like web only browser stuff that just doesn't look fun to play. And hey, we hear you. We know. Uh, and I, I hope you all can have faith in us that we also don't want to do that. Uh, Hunter and I don't play play by forum <laughs> Twilight Imperium and we don't expect yeah. anyone else to either. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 
when we talk about trying to find an alternative, it's uh, with Hunter and I being very picky <laughs> and uh, yeah. hard to please in, in that front. So uh, I just wanted to reassure everybody that we've been doing quite a bit of work uh, talking with the group that makes Tabletop Playground. And I continue to not make any promises, but we've already been able to get a lot of Twilight Imperium for modders, like Cody people, modding people, mm -hmm. 3D artists. Mm -hmm. We've gotten them onto that platform um, easily uh, and without any hassle. And they're all very excited about Tabletop Playground. Uh, they're, yeah. they're talking a lot about how the system just works a lot better in a lot of ways. Uh, I talked to somebody today about how even just looking at what, you know, I don't know any of this stuff, but the idea that it is using um, common coding language rather than like kind of an explicitly game dev and games, game scripting language means like way more people will be able to contribute to it. It will be a language that more people understand and works faster and better. And on top of all of that, uh, Tabletop Playground talks to us <laughs> and like works with us and is yep. works with our modders and 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 people go onto their Discord and ask questions about how their system works and they come at you with an answer like almost immediately, which is something right. we never got really at a tabletop simulator. So like never things even, even with with everything that's happened uh, all even all before the... that yeah, yeah they were they were unresponsive every yeah. single year. I, this is this is the thing I said on the Discord every single year. I have reached out to Tabletop Simulator before our finals and been like, hey, I just I just want to let you know we have this big event coming up on Saturday. And every once in a while, you guys like roll out like a patch that breaks everything. And I would just beg you to wait on any patches until after Saturday. That would be great. Uh, uh, crickets, radio silence, nothing yeah. in all of the years. Last year was the first time I ever got a response. And the response was, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Which is... Uh, not helpful so uh i'm just i just want everyone to know literally every single element of what we're working on is uh working out and going well and uh very very much uh filling me with uh, optimism about the prospects of having something maybe better than we've ever had before uh it yeah. just will take a little bit of time because it is a newer game and people are having to sort of kick the tires as they all keep saying and like testing out the platform but everything is promising that i've seen so far yeah yeah i feel like uh there's a lot of excitement uh from the the more technically minded people that will be doing the this work. actual work yeah um another thing that i just want i mean i want to talk about the other dimension of this uh beyond just the quality and possibilities uh for the eventual tabletop playground mod yep. uh if that have again we're not we're not fully committing to anything because we're being very careful and we're talking to these people a lot. But I will say that is an encouraging aspect of it. Yeah. Um, we're talking to the tabletop playground people. We're having discussions with them. We're getting them to commit to a lot of ideas, uh, uh, ideas of inclusivity, like th yep. like things that are very relevant to the whole reason that we are looking at them in the first place. Exactly. Um, and that communication, you know, like it's, it's not like anything is guaranteed by that. It will be on us to uh, keep an eye out. But yeah. what I like about this is it feels a little more like we're getting in on something yep. uh, on the ground floor and can therefore perhaps have a little more influence on it than with Tabletop Simulator, which has mostly um, just ignored. Yeah. I mean, I would say a lot of a, a lot of things uh, minor and not minor at all. Right. Essentially, and, and to be clear, like goes. that has continued too right i mean it's like yeah. since everything like 
if we're talking about continuing to want to hold Tabletop Simulator accountable, and hey, what if simula uh, Tabletop Simulator can change their ways and reassure us? Great. I still welcome that. Uh, we have absolutely no signs that that is the case so far. Um, yeah. Besides the single uh, sort of half-baked apology that we've received so far. We literally, and we've reached out multiple times and continue to receive no communication with those regards. So uh, that's all to just say things continue to look more promising in all respects with Tabletop Playground than Tabletop Simulator. So I just wanted to put people's minds at rest about that. Uh, let's get into some errata, which I feel yeah. like we haven't properly done errata in a bit, but uh, we last week talked about basically a follow-up on our faction tier list, and we sort of made arguments for uh, Titans we put rather low on our tier list, and we made an argument why Titans might be higher on our tier list, and I think a lot of people agreed with that, and we specifically mentioned Alice's performance with Titans, and hey, guess what? Alice has some errata for us about Titans. Uh, so, yeah. so here's Alice's take. I see so many people playing Titans desperately wrong. Titans are not a PDS faction. In my opinion, there are no PDS factions. The unit is terrible. The Argent Flight don't count. Uh, the thing that makes Titans strong is your cruisers. I think they are the second best unit in the game after Exotrireme 2. They allow for early power projection and multiplicative power projection. To explain, imagine a late game barony play. They move their dreads out to someone's home or mechatol, and of course they succeed, but what's to stop someone from waltzing into their now lightly defended home system? Now imagine this scenario from the perspective of Titans. They take a home system or mechatol, and of course they succeed because Saturn Engine 2s are no joke. Then someone tries to take their home system. Oh, what's that? You can't get through through three free PDS shots and the five dreadnoughts I left at home? Brutal. See my qualifying game from last tournament where I stop an L1Z and X trying to slay my home system. There's multiplicative power projection. They basically get eight more dreads than every single other faction. Don't worry oh. about sleeper tokens, PDS, or your mechs. Just build all of your cruisers as fast as you can. Then start building your dreads. Sell your soul for those cruisers I know I have. Wow. That's a really interesting way to put it. Yeah. That if you can get to the point where all of... So let's say everyone's plastic is on the table, then I guess Barony, Barony NES, Duranium, uh, whatever. Let's ignore right. that. Let's sure. set that aside. Just for the most part, the raw value uh, is going to be with Titans. Then right. it's going to be with anybody because Titans doesn't need the dreads. Right. But you can still build them. Of course exactly. you should build them. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> and they can hang it. They can continue to be slow. You don't even need to get Dreadnought 2. Your Dreadnoughts are this right. slow defensive yep. unit that just hang out yep. in the background. And then your Saturn Engine 2s do all the things that everybody else's Dreadnought 2s do. So yeah, it's That's a great way to think about it. They're a Cruiser 2. They're, they're maybe our only proper Cruiser 2 faction, even though today we're going to talk about Mentac, which, uh, you know, are, are going to yeah. attempt well. to also hold that throne. Sort of, yeah. Sort of. <laughs> uh, our other errata, we put out the request. I haven't seen enough good uh, ideas of what Hunter and I were playing for in our our uh, rankings or our you know our predictions. You know, we both made ten predictions last episode. I've seen one good suggestion of what the winner should re receive, uh, but I want more. But I'll read Stads' suggestion, and it's if Matt and Hunter are into it, I like the idea of the loser having to do a Twilight Imperium or Old Gamers Almanac stream wearing a cosplay of the winner's choice. 
so who is the loser and winner in this one? Because I love cosplay. So, <laughs> I know, I that, mean... that was my thinking. Is because someone suggested uh, like I I should have to wear N seven armor, and I posted that picture of Thane from Mass Effect two with his dumb sunglasses on, and I was like, I I could I would literally pay to be provided the costume to just get to wear that on stream. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> shades Thane, yeah, that would be really good. Yeah, well, what would you pick for me, Matt? What would you make me wear? What would your costume be? Man, it's hard to say. Cause I well, lost. I, I wouldn't. Here's the reality. Here's the here's the reality of anybody else's answers and why I didn't like any of the other answers is uh, maybe it's news to some people, but Hunter and I don't like to make each other miserable. <laughs> and if you've ever watched streams where the intent was like, ah, we're going to do audience agendas and make everybody's lives miserable. It's not fun. <laughs> it's not fun to do that. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think Hunter and I... Fun. I don't think Hunter and I have a desire to uh, like make each other wear something embarrassed. I also don't think Hunter and I are capable of being embarrassed wearing anything. I don't know that there's anything on that list in terms of like cosplay or whatever. Yeah, no. I mean, no, I'll wear is... literally anything. So yeah, I, I I will also wear anything. So that sounds. It just sounds fun. So I'm yeah. excited about the fun part. <laughs> it's not. There's no. There's no winners and losers here. We're all winning. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get. Yeah, I'm ready. Uh, we're gonna start with uh, Jolnar today, so let's cool. uh, let's get all that pulled up, and we will read you some components, and then we'll talk a little bit about some synthesis of what we, how I feel about Jolnar. All right, Matt. Well, where do you want to start with the Jolnar? What let's let's components? start with the start as we do. Oh, that's a good point. We should start with the start, shouldn't we? <laughs> okay, so the universities of Jolnar, um, they're like some fish people. I don't know. They're smart. Um, they're starting technology. This is a whopper. They start with neural motivator, anti-mass deflectors, Sarween tools, and plasma scoring. That's four tech. May as well be a a faction ability. Yeah. They start with all four of these tech. It's ridiculous. And then their starting units aren't horrible either. They start with one dreadnought, two carriers, one fighter, two infantry, one space dock, and two PDS. Yep. So there is a lot going on with this start. Uh, it is mostly all good. Um, the main things I'll point out that are good, Neural and Motivator and Sarween Tools, great text to start with and things that we don't often love to research, but we lo- if we just start with it, it's like, okay, well, that's going to pay off in a lot of ways. So it's like, it's great that you start with Neural to get more action cards. It's great that mm-hmm. you start with Sarween, especially round one. Uh, but then anti-mass and plasma scoring are like the money makers in this mix, um, especially plasma scoring, which we'll get into later with your commander. But the starting units are where things get especially wonky, I would say. Uh, with POK, you've got uh, more structure objectives, or you have structure objectives at all. And Jolnar start with three at home. You are literally a single construction secondary away from one of the structure objectives, whereas most people require three more structure. Like, most people just have a space dock at home and no PDS, and you have one space dock and two PDS. It's quite ridiculous. And uh, those starting PDS, in addition to starting with plasma scoring, in addition to eventually unlocking your commander that we'll talk about, means you start with some basic defenses that, like, almost nobody can compete with. Um, Your biggest problem is your expansion because two infantry is not enough to do anything with which means you rely on warfare uh either yourself having it or someone else playing it you basically rely on warfare or some other capacity of acquiring or moving infantry to be able to do pretty much anything round one it's very common for jolnar to get their first two planets outside of home and then uh have a lot of questions of how to get the rest um but we'll talk more later about how you actually have uh, quite a lot of tools in your toolkit 
to solve that problem. So even though it is a problem to only have two infantry, it's something that you definitely can solve. Cool. While we're on starting units, I want to go ahead and cover the uh, their home system. It's yeah. a two-planet home system. The first planet is called Joel. <laughs> That's cute. Uh, it's called Joel, like little Joel, like a sweet little boy, Joel. Um, and it is a one resource, two influence planet. The other planet is called Nar. Get get it? Like Universities of Joel Nar. That's like the place. Um, <laughs> the other planet's called Nar, and it is a two resource, three influence planet. Yep. Um, I, do you want me to read the flavor text? Do you want the I, flavor text? I w- oh, I would love Hunter to read some flavor text. That never happens. I will read some flavor text. So here is the flavor text for Joel. <clears throat> Covered by cold oceans and a few inhospitable islands, the seat of the headmaster, the Hylar ruler, who dwells in the deep underwater city of one Esha. I did good, right? (laughs) You did really good, Hunter. I'm so. And then here, and and here you go. You're about to get it again. Oh my God! Uh, Here's Nar. The loreheads are freaking out right now. Covered. It's the same first word. I just wanted to let both you know. These, these planets are, are covered. Both these planets are covered. This is Waffle so, House. Covered and smothered. <laughs> covered by mild oceans. What is a mild ocean? What? Covered by mild oceans and a small archipelago called the Reef by off-worlders. The Circle of Regents make its home and the underwater city school of noon dasha um circle of regents headmaster uh those actually sound like different things it's like one of them is like a school language yeah. council of regents that actually sounds like a like a traditional hierarchical uh thing there but there well, you go you there you go loreheads i love thank, you thank you hunter thank you for your services to the lore community uh i do want to point out that that's a lot of influence in a home system five huh a single dollar mm. and if we can make it to mechatol round one we can take mechatol round one that's well, uh, bam. that will not be lost on us later but uh let's let's get some faction abilities so we can kind of make some more statements on the start of universities of jolnar yeah so this first one so good love this one <laughs> it's called fragile apply negative one to the results of each of your unit's combat rolls so good yeah that applies to all in combat i'm rolling my units against your units it does not apply to bombardment anti-fighter barrage or space cannon which means those will all be abilities that we somewhat lean into to make Mm -hmm. up for our failings in the actual raw combat numbers yeah yeah the second ability this one even better than the first if you can believe it uh is called brilliant when you spend a command token to resolve the secondary ability of the technology strategy card you may resolve the primary ability instead. Meaning as long as you have a command token, you can get a single tech for free no matter what. Whether you hold, I mean, with you can take tech, but you almost never need to take tech because you can always do it for free for just the cost of a command token. And then if you want to, you can spend the $6 to get two tech, which means Jolnar is up there with the most techs possible to be acquired of anybody on mm-hmm. because they can always have the option to get two tech every single round. Yeah, and I don't know if you remember, but they started with four. Yeah, so they started with most nuts. of it, so actually they're kind of done already. <laughs> it's almost like when they were building Jolnar, someone in the room kept being like, but are they good enough at tech? Yeah. Should they yeah. be better? The, yeah, if um, you want to equate this to like every other faction, think about if the first one of the first objectives is two tech in two colors. Jolnar, without fail, has at least access to doing that because they don't mm-hmm. even have to have the technology card to research two tech and as long as they research two colored tech they will get that objective round one uh, yep. which is a big deal 
That is pretty crazy. Um, their last faction ability is called Analytical. When you research a technology that is not a unit upgrade technology, you may ignore one prerequisite. Whoa. Yeah, super good. So, so again, they start with every single baseline prerequisite, which means with this ability, they can reach that third rung of the ladder, round one, no matter what. Uh, and you can get to the final rung of the ladder very, very quickly. You know, this is this fat. No one can get to light wave deflector faster than Jolnar, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they are a four commodity faction, which is, of course, that's good. Crazy that's good. good. That's very yeah. good. <laughs> very good. Um, they have no faction specific units. However, they do, of course, have a flagship. The flagship is called the JNS Hylarum. Uh, it is a cost eight normal flagship. Hits two on a six minus one. So that's two on a seven. One movement. Three capacity. It, of course, has sustained damage. However, it has a special ability, which is when making a combat roll for this ship, each result of nine or ten before applying modifiers produces two additional hits. Yeah, don't sleep on that ability. Uh, this is actually one of the better flagships in the entire game uh, because mm -hmm. you have a 20% chance of scoring three hits. It's two additional hits. So you scored a hit because you rolled a nine or a ten, and then you get two more hits just for it. This and you that can happen multiple times. Like I have seen you get two rolls with this. I've seen rolls of the JNS High Alarm where they score six hits with a single unit. Um, this is this can be better than a War Sun uh, with the right luck, right? I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm saying better, and that's not the right word, but it, it can hit harder than a War Sun. So yeah. uh, don't don't sleep on this flagship. This is a great one to park in your home system and defend yourself if you're worried about. Uh, dying in the sky. I don't tend to send this flagship out and do anything with it. But if you draw that objective where you got to unveil flagship, it's actually not that bad uh, at doing that. It's quite good at unveiling itself. I think that uh, that people are always surprised when this flagship does well in the flagship tournaments that we've done, which, hey, we yeah. should think about doing another one. I mean, Ooh. people love it so much, and it's <laughs> my favorite thing that we do. Um, so we covered that there are four commodity faction. That means they're, they're good at money. Yeah. But we should maybe also talk about their promissory note. I would love um, that. Which also indicates a bit of a money thing going yeah. on here. It is called Research Agreement. After the Jolnar player researches a technology that is not a faction technology, gain that technology. Then return this card to the Jolnar player. Yeah. Whoa. So two things here. Technology is a gated resource meaning you can only acquire so much technology in a game. It's not the kind of thing where as long as you have enough money to spend, you get, like, command counters are almost ungated. There's a maximum number of command counters you can acquire at a single time, but as long as you have the money, you can get as much as you want. But you can only get a set number of tech each round. And Jolnar opens that up, <laughs> makes it wider for how much tech a single faction can get. Like, you can give other people extra tech. So it is a high commodity thing people really want this because it can get them to their late game tech so much faster so it's already top dollar in that way it's also no cost to you where so many other promissory notes incur some kind of negative effect on you uh, muwa have to lose a fleet token uh things like that this is no cost to you which means it's basically free to give out and then the player gains stuff that they really really want which means this is an all money making promissory note there's no downside to giving this thing out aside from like 
controlling the meta, which like, hey, we're not really kind of at that level. We're not talking about like the level to which you should be allowing other people to get tech. It's good because it makes you lots and lots of money. Uh, if you want to consider it this way, the person doesn't have to spend a command counter to do tech. If you give them this, they still could, but like this is a free technology for them. So it should cost them $4 because it's even then it's saving them money because they didn't have to spend a command counter to do it. So it's like, to me, it's worth at least four dollars whoa 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 every single so you're round saying no, but no you're saying no one can even afford to buy this from me round <laughs> one is that Most, what you're saying well yeah i mean there's you'll you'll make concessions you'll sell it for less than four dollars i'll tell you that much uh but it's it is i mean it's worth it's it, t if we wanted to get annoyingly analytical with like the pricing it's worth it's definitely worth more than four dollars but it's you know we, we, sometimes we have to also just be able to sell the thing. People have to be able to afford what we're selling. So we will make That's an interesting idea. <laughs> that, that people have to be able to afford what you're selling. Hey, war suns are worth $12. So I'm selling you the war sun tuck. So it costs $12. Okay. Well, no one's ever had $12 before. So. So it's like things are worth what people will pay for them. That's, yeah. that's, that's kind of mind blowing. <laughs> um, let's do their faction tech. So their first faction yeah. tech uh, I'll, t I'll cover the less interesting one first, which is called uh, Spatial Conduit Cylinder. Yeah. This is not useless, by the way. No. I didn't want to make it sound like this sucks. But um, here's the ability. It's a two blue requirement. Blue tech, obviously. It means nothing to you. You start with the blue yeah, and can doesn't, skip a blue. You can get it, <laughs> it whenever you want. I don't even know why it, it yeah. requires anything. Um, you may exhaust this card after you activate a system that contains one or more of your units. That system is adjacent to all other systems that contain one or more of your units during this activation. Yeah. The main use of this obviously then being like, I sent stuff really far out, uh, but then I can activate stuff at home and I can bring stuff back home. Not like, not stuff that's activated, but I'm just saying this is like a big defensive maneuver. There are more clever ways you can use this. Um, I do see this tech get researched, I would say, somewhat often because it's one of those things that can just help you in a pinch and i would say across the board jolnar's tech path is whatever helps in a pinch this round so sometimes yeah. that spatial conduit cylinder um so we're definitely not downplaying spatial conduit cylinder there's almost no tech that i will tell you not to get as jolnar uh, because you have access to basically everything whenever you want it so look for those moments if you need if you've overextended and next round, you want to pull your stuff back home because you're afraid of being threatened, like we talked about earlier with the Titans thing, right? If you just need to get your stuff back home to defend that, this is a great tech that makes you do that. It's a, it, it can be huge in a pinch. Uh, it, it also can be used on Mechatol Rex to like go reinforce Mechatol Rex like crazy with everything in your slice or whatever. Yeah, you can do a lot with this tech that's very useful. Their second faction tech, and this one is this Woo. is a big one. This is one of this is one of the rocks one of the rock stars of faction tech comes in with sunglasses on. This is Erez Siphons. Okay. Um, it's a yellow tech. Requires two yellow. Who cares? I yep. forgot. Who cares? It here's its ability. After another player activates a system that contains one or more of your ships. Gain four trade goods. Whoa. Yeah, super good. Um, this is obviously not inherently defensive, but it is a deterrent, right? People might not want to attack you if it means they give you money. But uh, hey, if, if there's no economic stage two out and it's the final round, e siphons won't do anything for you. You will just get 
$60 as everyone pummels all of your stuff if you're in a winning position, right? So ERES siphons is great to a point, but then in the final round, sometimes it is meaningless. Uh, in a final round, whether there is an, ex, uh, an economic objective out, ERES siphons is everything because now every time anyone tries to deal with you, all they're doing is improving your ability to score that stage two, and it becomes impossible to stop you. So it can be an incredibly clutch uh, thing, but more than anything, I would say in the mid game, Having it means nobody wants to target you because uh, there's it's just too up in the air what you'll be able to do with all of that money you acquire. So uh, quite a good tech. I research it every single game. Yep. Yeah. It's 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 a it's a default. Uh, always get as Jolnar. Um, let's talk about their mech real quick, and then we'll do their leaders. Yeah. Um, their mech is called the Shield Paling Paling Paling. The shield paling. I don't yeah. know if paling is a word, and <laughs> that's the thing. So it's hard for me to pronounce it because I don't even know if it is a word. And, I, and maybe it was a mistake. Maybe it's not a word. I'm hearing paling uh, from Google. Paling, paling, shield paling. Anyways, <laughs> uh, standard mech cost two combat on a six. Obviously, it's fragile, so it's a negative. It actually hits on a seven. Um, has sustained damage, and the ability reads: Your infantry on this planet are not affected. By your fragile faction ability so it just brings your infantry up to speed which sometimes not bad i like i like getting all four of my mechs out on the board especially in my home system if i can help it one mech on each of my planets the big thing with these is uh there's no reason not to spread these out right um outside of like well i have to just defend everything in my home system so i'll put two on each planet or whatever but generally i like these all over my slice uh and defending my most important planets um i will I will build them, especially because uh, our home system was that uh, two, three, and a one, two, which means our production at home is quite bad. Uh, so very often, you can't really afford the production capacity to build infantry, but you have the money to afford mechs instead. So uh, very often, I'll get mechs out early um, rather than infantry. Not not as a universal rule, uh, because infantry help in a lot of other ways. One of them we're about to talk about with the agent, but... Um, very often, I will just do a mech because I just can't really make the infantry work with this particular build. You you just mentioned the agent, and let's cover it. So the agent is called uh, Dr. Sukuban. Sukuban? Something like that. Um, and it reads, When a player spends resources to research, you may exhaust this card to allow that player to remove any number of their infantry from the game board. For each unit removed... Reduce the the resources spent by one. Yep. So it makes tech cheaper. It makes tech cheaper. Um, if you think about it this way, and, and we've seen people lean into this idea of like, I'm going to go heavy infantry Jolnar because you gain half a dollar every single time you use this ability, right? If you, if you do two tech and all $6 that you spend are infantry, you spent $3 to build those six infantry and then they got you a tech that would have cost you $6. You, you netted three bucks right and we've seen mm -hmm. kind of math crazy people really really lean into this and it and i've it worked out very very well they had a lot of money <laughs> to then spend on other stuff uh later in the game so like pushing really hard to get a lot of infantry out early can be great you are just limited by that production capacity which makes this agent also very very sellable because there's plenty of rounds where jolnar's like i'm not buying two tech this round and the first tech is free for me no matter what so why don't i just sell this to somebody it can be hard to sell though because uh, it's a thing that's just like trading out costs for somebody that's spending money on something anyways. And it's like generally the, the matter of like a half a dollar, one dollar, you know, it's like it's not very much. So it's hard to get a lot of money for it. 
but you will see the moments when it matters. When somebody's a trade good behind, okay, like I can sell this for a favor. I can sell this for a cheap promissory note, those kinds of things. I wouldn't expect to get raw value out of Dr. Sukaban, but you might get other little stuff. Cool. Let's talk about the commander. So the commander is called Tazern. Um, they are a deep rot visionary. <laughs> I should let you know. I am I'm I'm reading here that they are a deep rot visionary. It's just an opinion, I think, expressed on the card. Um, I'm not sure what deep rot means, but they are a visionary, and I do know what that word means. Um, so the unlock for this is to own eight technologies, easy peasy. Uh, and the ability, once you flip it, is after you roll dice for a unit ability, bombardment, anti-fighter barrage, space cannon. What's the other one? Is that it? it? Yep. Um, you, so after you roll a die for that, you may re-roll any of those dice. Yep. Whoa. This is among the better commanders in the entire game. This is ridiculous. And again, I reiterate, you start with two PDS at home with plasma scoring. So in your home system and all spaces, if you get PDS2 quite quickly, you start with the, the prerequisites for PDS2. Uh, we are the closest thing I would say to a PDS faction, uh, even though in our errata earlier, Alice specifically said there's no such thing as a PDS faction. And I agree with that, but our PDS are crazy stupid good. Um, I will say that unlock hunter said not a big deal, which is right. We start with four tech um, and we can get two tech every single round. So getting to eight isn't crazy hard, but you're not always getting two tech round one and you're not always getting two tech round two. It can be round three before you generally get this. I think you almost yeah. always have it by round three. It's it's you are playing a very slow tech game if you don't get this until round four. Um, Listen, and, Matt, and, and that might be a problem. When I said that, I was remembering that. Muat has to build a war. I know exactly. It's a, it's a stark theirs. contrast. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's not, they're not all created equal as far as how easy it is to do the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Let's um, talk about that hero though. The hero is called genetic memory. And then underneath it says brilliance of the high lar kind of uh, arrogant a little bit. Um, so this is the hero. Uh, it is an action for each non-unit upgrade technology you own you may replace that technology with any technology of the same color from the deck then purge this card um this is the closest thing in jolnar's arsenal that we will get to a uh cool interesting and unique decision that you get to make in in the jolnar game everything else is just like do whatever you want to do in the moment and I think the hero is the only like, ooh, this is like our long term. We can like have somewhat of a long term strategy, which is just like I can feel as free as I want to get things that are of short term benefit. Any technology that provides a single round benefit isn't that big of a deal because I'll just swap it out later when I no longer need it. So like this hero makes every single tech available to you like makes sense to get there's no mm -hmm. wrong choice as long as it's doing something for you that round because at some point in the game you can swap out a bunch of your tech for then your late game tech right that's always the issue with anybody else's tech path is like well i need it to pay off kind of all game or i need it to be the thing that wins in the end and jolnar just gets to do both wow well that's interesting it seems like they're really good at tech <laughs> They're good at tech. They're uh, they're not great at combat, but then their tech makes up for their bad combat. So everything turns wow. out a-okay. So they're like a bunch of nerds or something. 
I think I'm starting to understand these guys. A bunch of perfect nerds. That's what their hero said on the back, too. You, you, you I, I like that you pointed out the brilliance of the highlight. They're kind of cocky. But the other side of it is perfected being. Rin, the master's legacy. Oh, my the God. The perfected being. These are some cocky so-and-sos. Um, let's, so let's get into it a little bit more then, now that we've got everything kind of in our heads. Uh, I, I think about Jolnar in terms of explicitly what's what's happening round one and then sort of explicitly what's happening in the final round of the game and every round in between that is like on its own merits but like there are decisions we can reliably think about round one and there are decisions we can reliably think about in essentially round five and like i can't tell you anything about round two three and four because I don't, it depends on your objectives. It depends on it. Like we said, you have literally, you can make any choice you want with tech. You can build almost any unit you want because you can also get almost any unit upgrade you want. So like your round two, three, and four, just do whatever you want, dude. Just whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's probably the right choice, whatever you've chosen to do, if it means you scored some points. But uh, round one, here's our special considerations. We talked about the two infantry problem. We've got to get infantry. Here's my, here's like my priority order for what to do round one. Uh, the first is you can research uh, cruiser two. If you think you can build a cruiser off of like the secondary of warfare, research cruiser two and still have uh, like your home system and a trade good left over. If you can do all of those things, you are among the the very, very good Mechatol round one factions. Cruiser two at home, with an infantry at home, goes straight to Mechatol. Your home system is five influence. You need an extra dollar. So on top of all of that, all we're saying is you need two bucks to build a cruiser, which is really one because of Sarween tools, but we're going to assume both of your infantry left home. So all I'm saying is you need two to three dollars to pull off Mechatol around one plus one extra dollar. What's up, Hunter? Well, so, so you're telling me, though, that you're going to do, you got to do warfare secondary because you only got two infantry. Yes. So you're going to do warfare secondary. You're going to build some infantry. You're going to. Do you have a cruiser at home, or you got build? No, I'm saying you got to build a cruiser at home. So it's two dollars because you sarween two infantry, and then you build a cruiser for two bucks, Uh and then you need one more dollar to then get mechatol. Hey, guess what? We have four commodities. Guess what? We can reliably get with our four commodities. Oh, X minus one. Three trade goods. <laughs> so you're telling me, whoa, I just learned something big, though. You're telling me that if I want to put pressure on a Jolnar player, yeah. round one, it's an X minus two, and I sure. want research agreement for cheap. Yeah, hey, Hunter, guess what? Uh, the research agreement also, if it, what, what you just said is a research agreement for cheap, but what you meant is for free, which isn't going to happen. Jolnar's making no, no, I didn't at least say three. for free. I said no, for cheap. I know, for cheap, but that's uh, X minus two means I still got $2, and then a research yeah. agreement even for a dollar is enough. For cheap. Yeah, so exactly. the point is, it's very hard for Jolnar not to make money. I think you misunderstood money. my point. It doesn't Matt. matter. I was, I was just saying that this is an opportunity <laughs> to make him work for it a little sure. bit. Yeah, I, and I think you should because, honestly, Jolnar's round one can be pretty uncomfortable if the table decides to make it that way. And, and I think you should. <laughs> I think you should make Jolnar's turn one quite uncomfortable because, guess what? They can make up for it in the long run. Um, so the, the more damage you can do to Jolnar early, the better. Um, so that's my first thing is like, hey, you should consider a cruiser two round one. I, I but I don't think that's every single game. Sometimes there's somebody else vying for Mechatol Rex round one. Sometimes it's just like stretching yourself too thin and you would actually be better served filling out your good slice. Like if you have a strong slice, you should just do that 
and fill out. And I don't think you, you can just as easily sometimes set up for Mechatol round two. And I would always prefer Mechatol round two over stretching for Mechatol round one if it's an easy thing for me to do in round two, right? Like if I just get politics round one, I can not worry about the cruiser two thing and try to get Mechatol round two. It's not yeah. going to be a big deal. So yeah, that's, so my first consideration is double check your cruiser two viability. If not, don't do it. Uh, I would then look at your round two mechatol stuff and I would suggest gravity drive. Um, if you don't have like a warfare thing, if you're if you took politics, gravity drive is the thing that's going to let you expand in front of your home system. And then next round, you go take mechatol right away. Right. So the, the pecking order that we're talking about here is how can I find my guac as fast as possible? Cruiser two and gravity drive. If neither of those things are available to us, then everything else we're trying to do is set up our long term game as well as fix our start. Um, hey Matt, so, hey Matt, some, a new person just said, what's guac? <laughs> I'm sorry, you're right. Uh, guac is the custodian's token. Guac is anything that is not the first <laughs> stage one public objectives and a support for sorry. the throne swap. I thought you were just going to say that guac is the custodian's yeah, token. Yeah, it's the only guac in the whole game is the custodian's. <laughs> we just no. call, for some reason, we just call <laughs> the custodian's token Custodians guacamole. is way too many, way too many. You can't just call them stodes you gotta you get you know it's it's gotta have a whole different thing no uh it's that 10th point potential that we're talking about and the custodians are a great fit for that and jolnar can do it quite reliably but the point here is when you can't fix your start and have a setup for a better round one of the most reliable ways to fix your start that doesn't rely on any sort of warfare timing is to just tech transit diodes now obviously this relies on a tech timing so actually what we're doing is we're saying is it more reliable that i'm going to get a favorable warfare timing or is it more reliable that i'm going to get a favorable tech timing if tech is the more reliable one transit diodes means you can expand with those first two infantry and then the next time you need to expand you can send those two infantry back home to then re-expand and you can get your four planets or three planets around one and you can feel pretty safe in your slice i don't tend to get transit diodes if the warfare timing is actually preferable and then from there it becomes just setting up the best kind of game that i can and so some of my other favorite texts are like hypermetabolism. we can get hypermetabolism right away it's a couple extra command counters in the early rounds when we really would like to have those uh, we also see people go for PDS2 early. I don't think this is as big of a deal, but if you are sitting next to a SAR or a Cabal or anything that feels like some kind of threat, early PDS2 can immediately put a halt to you being an option to someone that they can pick on, right? You, you can hold off almost any early game attack with PDS2 because like, like we said, you have three shots from the start of the game and if you build any extra pds that's adding to it and then as soon as you unlock your commander you're hitting even harder so uh pds2 at some point is always a good idea as jolnar and round one isn't the worst what now i think i know the answer to this question but i just wanted to throw this out at you matt what do you think they like better the jolnar um construction objectives or tech objectives are tech objectives still the easier one of the two? I would probably argue that structure objectives are actually um, better for Jolnar in the long run, if only mm -hmm. because you have a lot of weaknesses, and we'll talk a bit more about this later, but like you don't win. Let's talk about in a, in a final round scenario uh, where you need to be win slayed. Your home system can probably be slayed. You have two planets, which is not good. You have yep. bad infantry, which is even worse than for your two planets. So then our argument would be like, okay, well, then you need to try to win in the space. Hey, guess what? You're also not great at that, even with your flagship parked there. Like, it is it is hard to win 
either of those fights if the table wants to do something about it. And the biggest thing that can turn the tides of that is a good PDS network, basically. I think because of Jolnar's commander, the PDS pay off in the long run, whereas the tech don't as much. Now, um, you're still aiming for the tech objectives, I would say. I would not like just go like full blue and full red and ignore all of the tech. When I'm playing oh, Jolnar, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm doing two and four colors and three upgrades, and that is what my entire tech path uh, intends to be because the reality is you can do all four of those stage two objectives you can do t- three unit upgrades you can do two tech and four colors you can do five structures uh and you can do f- whatever four structures outside of home or what five structures outside of home six structures you can do both of the structure objectives if you've been setting up for it and you can set up for both of them quite easily yeah 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 they um, they seem fun kind of like <laughs> you know what faction they're almost not. They're almost so good it's boring. That was that was the reality that was really sinking in the game we played the other day was like a lot of these things are just like do exact. I mean, it's like it's comfortable. And in that way, it's kind of fun of like you're never just like beating your head against the problems of the faction mm-hmm. and you're just doing whatever you want to do. But that also doesn't necessarily mean you're like always doing the most fun stuff. You're just like getting the tech to get the point and sitting safe in your PDS laden slice. Um, you're, you're just a very comfortable faction. Um, let's talk a bit more about round one and into the mid game, which is that um, POK Jolnar, like we said, you just get whatever tech you need in the moment because you can always swap it out. You play every single round as it comes to you. So this is why we love some Hunter's Law stuff, even if we don't intend to hold on to it all game. This is why I think hypermetabolism, there's, a, I think, an argument these days that hypermetabolism um, isn't as good as it could have been. But with Jolnar, an extra command counter in rounds two and three are enough for me to want to get it and then swap it out later. Um, I don't even need to have acquired more command counters over the course of the game. Just having those, that single extra command counter in round two can be quite a big deal. Um, but just always remember, you're not beholden to anything. So literally get whatever tech comes up in the moment while also making an attempt to own, uh, aim for two and four and three upgrades. Um, also, every single unit upgrade is good. You qualify for almost every single one of them from the start of the game. And as you go for two and four colors, you will definitely be able to qualify for all of them. So uh, the only thing I will point out is that Dread 2 is probably most in line with your weaknesses. If you listen to us talk about Sardak, we talk about how, hey, the plus one capitalizes the best the more times you are firing shots, which means fighters are very good. The opposite is true of Jolnar, right? So the fewer... uh, low rolling things that we can do mean our minus one is doing less damage to us so the more dreads we have the less we are being hindered by our minus one if we build a bunch of fighters they're like all hitting on tens or whatever they're very bad uh and and almost useless in terms of dealing out any kind of damage they are purely soak for jolnar um so we like dreadnoughts uh we like war sons if we decide to go that route and those are the only two upgrades we can't pretty much get like as soon as we want to um infantry and space dock to uh count as well but who who cares about those two basically whoa that's bold <laughs> i mean i guess yeah actually infantry infantry two has really fallen out of fashion especially space dock two was never in let's face yeah. <laughs> it space dock two was never on the table yeah uh so the the other stuff to fix right away would be fixing your infantry situation in general um that's that's especially round one but even going into future rounds if you can get a, sp- a second space dock at home 
Uh, it gives you three more building capacity, and that can help you get a lot more infantry down. Also, though, sometimes you don't need the second space dock. If you've got a soul buddy who can reliably get you military support, if you can be an alliance swap with Cabal or Yin, if you can get Primor or Hope's End, all of those things are viable alternatives to needing a second space dock at home. Um, so just mainly, you need to be building like two to four infantry every single round as best as you can. That is kind of important, um, but you can offset that by any of those things I just listed. Well, yeah, I just really like that you're calling out that infantry is uh, the weak point. It's always been that they're the, it's, they're the worst on the ground. And honestly, I like that their mech sort of fixes the problem, but still doesn't quite really. fix the problem. Yeah. Like I, <laughs> I, I like that, that it's been lessened somewhat if you can coordinate having the mech in the right, the right spot. Um, but it hasn't been overridden completely. And a lot right. of factions will just decimate you on the ground. Yeah, yeah. You are still not a combat faction, I would say. And and you're just, the, the big thing is you're coasting on the strength of your defensiveness, which let's talk about that. Uh, we talked about PDS2 and E-Res make you a highly undesirable target in the mid game. Um, so I definitely encourage getting a few extra PDS early. You know, round one, do the secondary of construction if you can afford the token. Usually you probably can't, honestly. But like round two and three, I would get the extra PDS out. It's going to pay off in the long run, in my opinion, because I think you should be getting PDS too. And it just means that no one, because otherwise, without those things, you are a juicy target. That's the big problem is you cannot have the right units in the right spot. If we're focusing on dreadnoughts, it means we're like not a widespread. It means we have like a couple spots on the board where we are a threat and then everywhere else is weakly defended. And because we're weak in combat, other people can just jump on that. But if you literally just get any semblance of a PDS network set up and you get E-Res quickly, nobody wants to target you in the mid game. Nobody wants to be the person who did that because it's too much to invest because of the PDS and it gained you too much because of the E-Res. So get both of those relatively quickly and you just won't get touched by most of the players. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, what about the hero as far as like, what, what do you swap into yes. at the end of the game? Yeah, let's talk about like our end game sort of transition because the whole point is we've been getting texts that just sort of like matter in the moment. Uh, the reliable end game texts for me are uh, first and foremost, we are still staying in line with two and four colors probably. I think most games you can reliably end Jolnar with literally two in four colors and three unit upgrades. And that is every single tech that you have. Like you can't tend to reliably get more than that, but you can get at least that, which means... We only have so many swapping alternatives because if we think about blue tech, right, uh, we probably still want gravity drive and we might need anti-mass in the final round, depending on like where we need to go and what we need to do. So sometimes mm -hmm. blue tech is hard to do a swap out, but generally you can probably throw out anti-mass and get light wave. Or if your upgrade game is in the right positions, you can throw out gravity drive and get light wave. But we would love to have light wave. Um, I think you can always throw out neural motivator for x89 bacterial weapon. We're leaning heavily on Dreadnoughts already. We have Plasma scoring. We're getting a lot of hits in Bombardment. We're in, if anything, we're offsetting our bad infantry with lots and lots of Bombardment. Um, you can have X-89 Bacterial Weapon and War Suns, which is like the killer-killer combo. Um, and I would just always get it, even if you're not necessarily going to use it, because you definitely don't have a use for Neural anymore, and nothing else on the green tree is actually really that useful. Sometimes uh, you get... Can I throw some out? Yeah. What about biostims? It's what exactly what I was about to say. Because like, oh. I got biostims in this last game. I would say the only other thing to swap out uh, would be a biostims for some late game little just economic help, uh, depending on what tech skips you have. Um, you generally don't have another tech 
that you necessarily need to flip a lot. Uh, a Biostim's transit diodes is probably going to be useful uh, to some Jolnars. So it, your mileage may vary, but like, I don't think you need to switch. You're definitely not switching into hypermetabolism. And then psychoarchaeology generally isn't going to help you very much. It might a little bit. And uh, Dax of Animators is like hit or miss. I think Biostim's is probably your best bet. But the reality is, if you got two and four colors, you probably already got biostims if you didn't do early hypermetabolism. There are games where you don't get hyper and you might have just gone biostims already, which means you're not swapping out it for anything. You're just going to keep biostims. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. So blue and green are the complicated, like, I might not be making any changes. Yellow and red are where you make uh, some changes, generally speaking. Uh, red, you started with plasma, and you there's any a number of things you could have gotten. I think deranium is the most common because it reinforces those dreadnoughts, but... Um, and I, d I don't want to swap out plasma. Plasma continues to pay for itself. So like almost never am I getting rid of plasma anyways, but I might swap out whatever other red tech I got. If I decided to go AI dev so that I could get an, uh, get war suns easily, I'm definitely swapping AI dev for like assault cannon or I'll throw it out there. Even Majin, <laughs> you what? have PDS all over the place. You're bad at combat in on the ground. Majin lets you do a free, you know, round of combat before anything else. If it matters, you'll know the games that it matters in. What are you talking about? <laughs> what are you saying? Getting he, Majin? Here's why Majin is a bad tech, because it doesn't pay off all game long, but sometimes it helps in the final round, and this is the core philosophy of Jolnar is, I get to get stuff that only matters in the final round, and Majin is one of those techs. All right, I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> just show me, just, hey, somebody send me a video of Majin even just working. <laughs> Even just happening. Hey, Majin Even is it occurring. Majin is another deterrent. That's all. You might not use Majin because people aren't attacking your stuff because of your PDSs and your Majin. Anyways, yellow, I think, is the most interesting one because you start with Sarween tools and there's probably a point at which you can get rid of Sarween tools and you can swap that out for either Graviton laser systems. We have a killer PDS grid and we could uh, completely stifle someone's attack that they were planning to do with a bunch of fighters and we just snipe all their carriers anyways. Or <laughs> even better... Uh, predictive intelligence is a tech we don't necessarily love because it doesn't pay off most of the game. But then in the final round, uh, a free opportunity to change all of our tokens around is like a big deal. And predictive intelligence, just being allowed to research it at the very end of the game for free, I cannot think of a better argument for when to get predictive intelligence than on Jolnar, basically. I mean, it, it is literally one of the best instances I can think of of when predictive intelligence makes sense because you don't actually have to spend time researching it. You just swap it out with the hero. Yeah, that's great. Because then it's like, you're in the last round. Maybe you realize like halfway through, you're like, oh, I put my tokens down, but now I got to like stall out this guy and I don't yeah. have enough. Uh, I don't have enough. Oh, but, I've, but if I take a couple out of the fleet pool, you know, or whatever. Uh, so the last point about that hero is I would hold out on it, basically. Hold out to see what your needs actually are, because there are a couple decision trees within that hero swap that matter. And like, I generally would probably wait until the final round to actually do that hero, because also it's a stall in the final round and that never hurts. And there's very rarely a reason to need to do it in like a penultimate round. So I would just wait till the last round, see exactly what all the objectives are and what you need to do, and then pop it to make uh, the plays happen. Um, I would try decently hard for control objectives throughout the game but don't push too hard uh because you definitely can just lean into like uh to stage twos um i had a game where i pushed probably too hard for some of my uh stage one objectives and then i ended up having an easy path i could have done for the stage two 
And uh, I wished I hadn't spread myself so thin going for those control objectives. Um, you are very good at a lot of stage twos. So sometimes it's best to just hold out and see see what you get. Uh, but that's, of course, the very boring way to play Jolnar. So if you want to have fun, uh, let's talk about research agreement. Uh, you obviously want to try to sell it every single round. If you are selling it to the tech holder... Uh, or if you pay attention to the turn order correctly, you can sometimes sell it twice in a round. If you've given the research agreement to someone else, or I mean, even the tech holder, but the point being that the tech holder is the active player, one person can pop the research agreement off of the first tech that you research. And then if you spend the $6 to research a second tech, before you research that second tech, you can then sell the research agreement to the active player who is the tech holder to then let them get another tech off of your second tech. So you, you can sell a research agreement twice in a round, but it's very dependent on sort of like the turn order and who the active player is and who wants things. So um, generally you're gonna sell it once per round and you should try to sell it once per round. If no one, most people will come to you <laughs> hat in hand and ask you for it. And if they don't, you should start looking around the table and trying to find someone to buy that research agreement once around. Like we said earlier, the prices can kind of get all over the place, but um, you know, I would at least settle for like three trade goods. Um, depending on what's going on. The other big thing with selling research agreement is generally I try to sell it ahead of time just to get it in their hand. And then I add more to what I want them to pay me when tech pops uh, in in exchange for that, me researching a tech that they want me to research, right? Now, never just research something. Well, maybe not never, but generally you're not going to just research something that isn't going to help you at all. But if they're going to pay enough, yeah, I'll research some dumb tech that they want that I, I wasn't necessarily going to go for if I have the extra time to get it. But basically you can get them to pay for tech twice uh, if it means like, well, hey, I could get Lightwave Deflector right here. Do you want to pay me an extra two bucks to get Lightwave instead of something worse? And some people will take you up on that. Um, but my final point about Jolnar is something I kind of already said, which is all of this stuff I just talked about is like the most boring way to play Jolnar and Jolnar actually has the opportunity to like explore really weird techs. Uh, this last game, I really wanted to do transit diodes into integrated economy right away and didn't really get to, it's not an option you're going to have every single game. Uh, because I just I wasn't going to have anywhere to go to then use that integrated economy. But uh, there's fun stuff you can do as Jolnar. And honestly, there's such a good faction. I would just encourage people to do fun stuff rather than the optimal stuff. Because the optimal stuff leads to a way more boring game. Go War Sons uh, with Jolnar. Go fast, lightweight. Don't <laughs> do the two and four. Don't listen to this guide. It. The you Jolnar exists like... for you to not listen to this guide and do whatever you want instead. So please go just do that. Go war sons. Please. <laughs> please go war sons. I, it's like I'm our invested. only opportunity. It, we've been trying to come up with connective tissues for uh, like these preliminary guides of why we're doing these two factions. And I think this is the war son episode. I think this is. These are the only two. These are the Don't closest make me talk about Mentac war sons. Like I for see the whole it in thing. your guide. I'm not going to make you talk about it. But I know it's in there. I know it's in your stuff. But let's it's take a break. He's so that Hunter you. can He's talk lying about to you. <laughs> He's lying to you, don't believe his lies. Okay, we're back. Hunter, it's your turn. We have to get this Mentac shenanigans out of the way. And the whole thing, it, so right off the top, Hunter, is Mentac good? I don't remember where we even rated them in our tier list. Like, I don't remember how I feel about whether or not Okay, Mentech first is of good. all, slow down, Matt. No. Okay, you are on it right now, and you need to slow down, okay? <laughs> Calm yourself, all right? 
He just got off his Jolnar horse, and he's just like all coffeeed up, freaking out. Like, all right, Hunter, let me grill you real quick. Are they the best? What are they? Ah! Uh, they're fine. They're just they're fine, and they're and, and you know what? They're interesting and they're fun. Okay, they're, fun. they're not like Jolnar where they have every tool in yeah. the tool shed. Okay, <laughs> they got a couple things they do pretty good. Mostly things they just do all right, and then some things that are just kind of whatever about them. Okay, all three of those things were just whatever. Although you just said they're pretty good, they're all right, and they're whatever. Yeah, that would describe <laughs> that would pretty describe good different. Yeah, no, those are no, three I agree. different I agree. words. <laughs> they're pretty good. Right, they're not bad, and they're all right. <laughs> all right, quiz me, Matt. Just throw just yeah. throw the yeah. stuff out at me. All right, the Mentak Coalition, beyond the Mahakt Plateau, part of the borderlands and the old star route known as the Passage of Tears, lies distant Mole Primus with its three tiny moons. The Mentak are the pirates. They're the pirate folk, and they start with Sarween tools and plasma scoring. That's a yellow and a red tech. Yep. And they start with one carrier, two cruisers, Three fighters, four infantry, one space dock, and one PDS. Yeah. Uh, love the starting tech. Love the, uh, the starting units are fine. Obviously, what we're missing is uh, an extra carrier, but the two cruisers are also going to have a lot of utility uh, as we you know talk more and more about the faction. Um, obviously, you're going to have to build another carrier to make sure that everything else works out, but I really like the start for the most part. Um, Sarwing tools and... Plasma scoring. The fact that it's a yellow and a red really kind of shapes your game here. I can't think of another faction that's more specifically shaped by the exact tech that they have. It kind of creates this sort of here's the exact uh, vortex of acceptable Mentac tech paths. It's all very much defined by our starting with one yellow and uh, one red. Uh, and of course, there is no PDS faction, but we do we do, we can go right into PDS too, uh, which I will not necessarily be recommend you do. Yeah, uh, but that is something that is worth noting. Uh, the Mentac Coalition have two commodities, not very good, uh, but their abilities read as such. Uh, first, I wanted to read this little quote from Erwan Mentak, the founder of the coalition. So the, they're called the Mentak Coalition because some guy's name was Mentak. Uh, just to think they could have been called the Irwin Coalition. Hi, I'm a member of the Irwin Co Coalition. Welcome to the Irwins. Anyways, one yeah, people. Well, what's, no, one no, no, no. <laughs> L listen to Matt over here just dunking on people with the name Irwin. <laughs> just like, oh, wouldn't that be so ridiculous if it was called the Irwin Coalition? People with the name Irwin, that's dumb. And so therefore, the, a coalition couldn't be named after someone named Irwin. I didn't make fun of you for calling out that the Jolnar are just named after the places that they're from. Yeah, but I did that funny, and I did it sarcastically. <laughs> and meanwhile, you're just throwing shade at people named Irwin, okay? Unnecessarily. Not funny, not sarcastic. I have it, Matt. <laughs> uh, their first ability is Ambush. At the start of a space combat, you may roll one die for each of up to two of your cruisers or destroyers in the system. For each result, equal to or greater than the ship's combat value, which means it upgrades when you upgrade the unit, produce one hit. Your opponent must assign it to one of their ships. Yeah, so it's, it is a pre-fire. Um, it, it would happen before... Um, 
anti-fighter barrage. It's interesting that you can use it with destroyers. It's also slightly annoying because a lot of the times when you use ambush with a destroyer, guess where the where the hits get soaked? Yeah, is on the fighters that then you. But uh, but if they have a lot of fighters, I don't know. It's fine. Um, mostly people think of this as my cruisers are better than everybody else's cruisers, uh, especially at the beginning of the game. And I'm not going to deviate too much from that, but you should not forget that ambush also, also applies to destroyers. You shouldn't yep. forget it. Don't forget it. Their second ability is pillage. Don't forget this one either. Cause it's after one of your neighbors gains trade goods or resolves a transaction. If that neighbor has three or more trade goods, you may take one of their trade goods or commodities. Yeah. Yeah. The or commodities thing gets forgotten a lot. Uh, that's you. And it's always nicer, of course, to take a commodity than it is to take a trade good. Uh, makes no difference to you, too. And we'll when when we get into the synthesis part, we will talk about what kind of attitude should I have about this ability? This is an ability that defines this faction and it can define them in a bad way, yeah. especially if everybody hates it, which a lot of people do. A lot yeah. of people really do not like uh, that one trade good being taken from them. And a spot, especially you have to remember uh, that it's transaction. It's not trade goods exchanging hands. You know, this, this applies to when people uh, exchange promissory notes. Uh, that's it. Relic fragments. Relic fragments. That's true too. Forgot about that. Um, but yeah, and, and and you know what? That's a thing about POK that is going to be reflected a lot in what we talk about today, which is that POK has created more opportunities for transactions, and also people are richer, which by the way, you're the pirates, you pillage, you got richer, okay? Yep. Yep. Nobody, yep. Everybody thinks Mentac Coalition got nothing in POK. Well, what about the fact that everybody's richer, so the so there's more piracy. There's, yeah. more, there's just generally more piracy, okay? <laughs> it's out there more. Uh, they have uh, their flagship, the Fourth Moon. Other players' ships in this system cannot use sustained damage. It itself has sustained damage. It hits two on a seven, capacity three, one movement, eight cost. Yeah, so uh, pretty good ability. I would say actually one one of the best uh, flagship abilities. Mm -hmm. uh, I wish it hit. Why does it hit two on a seven? I wish it hit a little harder, but mm -hmm. um, it is, it's definitely a, a solid flagship. It's very good defensively. It can be helpful offensively, and in fact, in some cases, while I think it's best, it best serves you as a defensive unit in the late game. Uh, there are times where you're mentac and you're in the late game, and you're just trying to make it work, and you got to have the fourth moon do some work for you, and that's okay too. Yeah, uh, let's also do the mech because it's very similar. Uh, the mole terminus is other players' ground forces on this planet cannot use sustained damage it also has sustained damage combat six cost of two but basically the exact same ability against mechs instead of ships yes so a lot of people kind of sleep on this ability or find it unimpressive this actually rules uh and matt you actually pointed out while we were writing this that this completely nullifies the sardak mech ability because yeah. it doesn't allow them to sustain it also of course nullifies uh nes uh for barony because if you just can't sustain then it doesn't matter that yeah. you that it soaks two hits yeah um so i would say that this mech is maybe not as flashy as some of the goofier ones like the ghost mech um but it is effective and it helps them in a way that they really need which is to be a little bit punchier on the ground that's a very good defensive unit and it's a very good uh sneaking in with a cruiser two and dropping off a multern terminus uh is a pretty solid strike force so yeah. i like it me likey 
Uh, we didn't talk about their home planet. It is Mole Primus. It is a four one, four resources, one influence. So you can afford tech round one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty easy, easy breezy. Uh, single planet home system we like. Uh, four resources we like. We're also going to need a carrier round one. We would. Uh, this is a faction that where we would very much like to do tech and have a carrier round one. So that's some stuff that we're going to have to do. But luckily, I've already told you how, how you're probably going to make this money, okay? Maybe you're figuring <laughs> it out yourself, you know? Uh, let's do their promissory note. It is the promise of protection. And when you give it to someone, they have the op opportunity to play the action, place this card face up in your play area. While this card is in your play area, the Mentac player cannot use their pillage faction ability against you. If you activate a system that contains one or more of the Mentech player's units, return this card to the Mentech player. Yeah, so this card uh, is, there's always going to be temptation to give it out because it gets somebody on your side, right? Um, and there's a lot of tables where they're like, oh, we really hate pillage. Uh, so somebody will like want the promise of protection. But what you have to keep in mind is that the opportunity cost here is every single pillage that could have happened between you and that other player. So you have to be very specific in imagining that yeah. uh if it's a neighbor it could have been a lot i don't know that could be a lot of money you're leaving on the table it could be so much that they can't afford to buy it you know what yeah, i mean right there are times when people want to buy promise of protection and it's like the alternative to selling this to you is more money than you can afford to give me right. you know what i mean like in one moment in one transaction or whatever right um, because they just yeah, go ahead. From the perspective of another player, too, honestly, I don't think we should be so willing to buy Promise of Protection because transactions that we do are a two-way street. So me having Promise of Protection doesn't make anyone else trading with me more willing to trade because they might still get pillaged. <laughs> like, it doesn't make me any better at selling my stuff when Mentech is in the game. Just having this means, ah, oh, I might not get pillaged, but I might still make no deals happen because the other person's going to get pillaged. Yeah, well, of course, the thing to consider there, Matt, is how much access does this Mentech player have to the rest right. of the table? And that's also an important consideration for you as yep. the Mentech player. Um, if I sell Promise of Protection to somebody across the table from me that I'm like, I'm not even sure this cruiser is going to be here that long, yep. then yeah, it's, it has a different price than selling it to, you know, my, my Empyrean neighbor who I anticipated probably having a lot of transactions right. to do. And right. that's a lot of pretty penny pennies I'm leaving uh on the table so this card just want to say audience it's hard to talk about because yeah. i just described a very wide berth of value uh let's not get too you know if if you feel like i'm oh well actually i don't even see how you could think i'm overvaluing it or undervaluing it yeah. i'm basically saying it's worth a lot to a little and you kind of need to guesstimate yourself yep. and if somebody wants this from you consider you know, I, I I think it can be worthwhile to have a friend at the table, and I think it can be worthwhile to sell this, um, but you have to figure a price that makes sense for the moment. Yeah. I would much rather, uh, you know, maybe I figure up, uh, I'm probably going to get like six trade goods off this person uh, over the course of the game based off them being, you know, where we're, maybe we're in round two. Mm -hmm. They want promise of protection. I'm thinking, ah, that's probably six trade goods, something like that. So, but what if I really need three trade goods right exactly. now? That could be worth six trade goods right. overall. Right. Three trade goods right now. Over time. I need them. I don't know. Could be. Yep. Could be. Just depends on how you think about it. Anyways. The only other thing I'd throw out with Promise of Protection is just a final round thing, which is, uh, this is one of the only promissory notes that is a free stall. Doesn't cost the Mentac anything. 
Uh-huh. And I do think uh, if you hold on to it or if you get it back in your hand, it becomes one of those things that people come buying for a completely different reason in the final round. And that's you true. Kinda, that's a super small point. But like, hey, don't forget, there's really stupid stuff that can happen with this promissory note in a final round. Uh, like a Necro with a million command counters and a deal with Mentac can stall for a very long time, <laughs> basically. Right. Technically, you can do this with all action, place this card face up in your play area cards, though. Like, you can do it with Hakan's right. trade, trade convoys, convoys as well. Same. That's right. Yeah. Um, uh, actually, is that the only other one? Because uh, the only other one I can think of that's an action is uh, Muat, but that costs Muat a token. It so does you don't, cost you Muat You can't really do that with Muat. Um, so okay, it's, so it's, it's, it's those two. They both have this, like, late-game potential to, like, kind of be tossed back and forth kind of yeah. sillily. To, Let's uh, do their uh, faction tech. It is yeah. the first one is salvage operations. It requires two yellow, and it is after you win or lose a space combat, gain a trade good. If you won the combat, you may also produce one ship in that system of any ship type that was destroyed during the combat. Yeah. So this one took a I I think a long time of base game for me to realize like how good it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, at this point, I kind of consider it like the the utility of it. Uh, to be high, high level. It's very, This is a scrappy tech. And it might sound underwhelming, but you need to take in the entire scope of a game and also how it feels to play Mentech. And also, you kind of need to hear about this next tech we're going to talk about. Yep. Because win or lose a space combat, gain a trade good, can sound like just a whatever thing. Um, but it is huge, especially when you're playing against players that know how things work with Mentech and want to try and stop you. Yeah. This is the high-level play way to say, in the late game, if you're trying to avoid me getting trade goods, you can't. Yeah. Because yeah, win exactly. or lose, I'm getting them, baby. Right. I can convert my command counters and a single ship into trade goods if I, if I uh-huh. need to. <laughs> uh, so their other tech that's very important to all this is mirror computing. Uh, it's three yellow requirements, so it's deep yellow, but when you spend trade goods, each trade good is worth two resources or influence instead of one. Yeah. So, full stop, every, as far as I know right now, okay, I'm just giving you, this is, I'm going to say something concrete, okay, but as far as my brain, pretty much since the game came out, this is a must research. Yeah. You this might may as well be a third faction tech that you have to unlock in order to have that high level men tech uh you know possibility of winning. Right. So you're you're yeah, it's just it's just you got to do it. You got to get it. Uh, and it's three yellow. So that's but we start with the yellow so that that's good. But it's three yellow, you have to get it because this helps us score so many objectives. Um it's actually kind of ridiculous if you because there's, there's the obvious ones, right? Like economic ones, but also also ones where it's like, oh, I got to b- suddenly build my flagship, or yep. I suddenly got to build my flagship and put it somewhere, or like it's, or I got to pivot to War Sons now because of X thing. Like right. this, the amount of value that we get suddenly from our trade goods at the end because of mirror computing is something that you spend the whole game thinking about. Never forget that this right. is in your arsenal, and I would say any good mentech strategy kind of has to incorporate it now of course whenever we get into our more experimental phase that we're coming up on maybe we'll just throw this in the garbage and say it's not actually that great but right <laughs> now we're you know we're in 
we're we're in this zone of this is the doctrine yeah. of mentac which is mirror computing right two for one all day every day it's a big deal uh let's talk about your agent it is sufi ann 90 90% smuggler 110% energy that's 200% woman y'all that's <laughs> i don't know how else to tell it to you <laughs> yeah no that's true that's uh, that is exactly how it works um what is the ability matt after the pillage faction ability is used against another player I think this is something we mistakenly, I may have cut it out of an episode. At one point, we tried to say that this is like an agent that Isarl can't copy, but they, they can. Anyways, after the pillage of faction ability is used against another player, you may exhaust this card. If you do, you and that player each draw one action card. Yeah, so this is low-key one of the best things that they got in POK. Um, it helps with this. We've been talking about this heat that pillage can incur. And this is, was specifically thrown in, I would say, kind of brilliantly. Dane, you're a genius. I love you. <laughs> love you, Dane. Uh, I feel like we don't call a Dane a genius enough on the show. We're always complaining <laughs> to Dane like we're like these nasty, bad children. Uh, but I like to tell Dane when I think uh, the job is good. And this is this right here, what I'm looking at right now. This is a good job. Um, so... It just helps, especially in the early game. Whenever you pillage someone, you can say, hey, we're each going to draw an action card. And a lot of times they feel they don't feel so bad. And, you know, honestly, that kind of extends for a while. Is like sometimes even people will be like, yeah, go ahead, pillage me. I'm ready. I'm trying right. to get the action card. I'm right. trying to be the one that gets pillaged and gets something out of it before I get pillaged like these other, you know, ch uh, chumps right. that are going to get pillaged and they don't get anything out of it. Yeah. It also is like a huge bonus to, well, I say huge, I don't know. It's so hard to equate like how many action cards are useful in a game, but like this is an extra action card every single round for Mentac, which I think is a big deal personally. Not everybody loves extra action cards anymore, but I, I think it's quite good. Yeah. Oh, and, and it's definitely great that Mentac now have a sort of an action card tempo that is higher than your average bear because people don't automatically get neural anymore. Right. So in general, you know, you're just doing a little bit better than everybody else. That, and that's pretty great. Yeah. Uh, your commander is Sulamentarian. Everyone's, in quotes, best friend. Uh, you unlock this by having four cruisers on the game board. You started with two. So uh, that's up there in terms of easy ones. And then the ability is after you win a space combat, you may force your opponent to give you one promissory note from their hand. Ooh, Hunter. Everyone's going to give me their support for the thrones. Stads had a really good uh, pre-errata where Stads was like, this combos really well with Empyrean's Void Watch because the two of you can just fight each other over and over <laughs> and just trade the same promissory note back and forth. Thank you, Stads. It's not always that someone gives me pre-errata that's like a good bit for the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's, uh, that's a good bit right there, and I want to see that happen. Um, so, yeah, this is you win a combat... Somebody gives you a, a promissory note. You don't get to say what the promissory note is. You just get one. Uh, very easy to work around this. I would say it's not worth a lot of thought. However, it's one of those things where you're not going to think about it. And then there's going to be this time where you're sitting next to somebody and you're like, wait, how many cards they got in their hand? Wait, what is in their hand? <laughs> I'm going to go get that right now. Yeah. So like, it's one of these things where like it just nine times out of 10. And in fact, actually, I didn't even say nine times out of 10. This is one of those abilities in the game where it's like, I've actually never seen it be important 
ever. Yeah. It's just the idea of it possibly being important. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm yeah. telling you right now. In fact, you know what? If somebody wants to send me a play of the week right now where this did something, you send that and I will read it. Okay. I've got a play for of the sure. week for you, but it's stupid because you played against uh, EJ who was filling in for oh, Monty well, and Kalu in the other day. And EJ was just like, you're going to attack me. I'll just go ahead and give you, I'll give you my support for the throne. Cause I don't care. And I want you to leave me alone. And finally their hero is Ipswich, the loose cannon, the mercenary raider, the sleeper cell, insurrection at the start of a space combat that you are participating in. You may purge this card. If you do, for each other player's ships that is destroyed during this combat, place one ship of that type from your reinforcements in the active system. Yeah, so this is a pretty potent... Um, especially it, it works defensively. It can work offensively. That's most obvious use. I feel like is defensively where it's like, somebody's going to come into your, to your home system and be like, I'm going to pew pew at you. Um, and you'll be like, all right, but every time I get a hit, then you're, and also it kind of, I think it sort of, uh, combos quite nicely with the flagship a little bit, because what's the only problem with this, right? If sustain doesn't actually destroy a ship, right? right. But if you got the flagship in there, then they gots to destroy something and every right. time they destroy something it's one of yours it's like it's like a zombie movie they become <laughs> zombies and now they're your zombie buddies um i'm not sure that's what they're suggesting i think they're suggesting that there are pirates on board the ships yeah. that are then commandeering taking them. over yeah i like the zombie cool. thing more i like the idea I that we're a zombies, bunch of australian yep. zombies this is an australian mm -hmm. zombie movie starting the mentac oh yeah give us a little taste matt come on you Mom. better give me controls of this station, or I'm going to have one out for you. <laughs> it's so good. It's just like he's from Australia, and all of our Australian <laughs> listeners say that all the time. That is it for uh, the components. We are now in the synthesis. The We're deep in the lab, and let's talk about the results of my recent um, experiments. Yes. So a list, sort of non-super organized list of things to think about when it comes to uh, the Mentac. So first thing I want to talk about is that this is a faction that is not uh, in the top tier. Um, they may they may have even been ranked a little high on our thing. I don't know. They're they're okay. They're I I love them because I like playing factions that are that don't have quite as interesting. Uh, well, actually, Mentac is very interesting, so I should not say that. But I I like to play uh factions that are a little bit underdogish, and I feel like Mentac is very underdogish right now. Um, so I would say that it's important to think about slice selection when it comes to playing Mentac. You don't, Mentac, playing a Mentac game is already kind of hard. Um, and you don't want to play, you don't want to make the game even harder for yourself by not sitting in the right spot at the table. So what do I mean by that? We would like a yellow skip, a hundred percent need a yellow skip in our slice. Yeah. I do not want to play Mentac anymore when I do not have a yellow skip, okay? It's just not, it's not fun. I need to be able to get to salvage operations and I need to be able to get to mirror computing and I need to be able to do that fast and easy and that means I need a yellow skip. So I need to confidently sit down at the table and say this is yellow skip uh, time. So as far as the green skip goes though, that's also something that, especially back in the day, we used to talk about the green skip a lot as a way to get to Cruiser 2 very quickly. These days, we have AI development algorithm. You don't necessarily need a green skip the old-fashioned way. Um, I like having as many skips as possible with the yellow being the numero uno, okay? Right. Because Mentac can get 
there's going to be a lot of tech we're going to talk about that are very specific, but Mentech also needs help. So depending on how your game plays out, you might have to go down any number of weird avenues. So my ideal setup, honestly, would be I'm sitting in a slice with a bunch of uh, skips, one of them, of course, being a yellow, and then I get psychoarchaeology, and now I'm just skipping around to whatever I need. Okay, that's really ideal. Yeah. Um, don't, uh, you know, don't look wrong at AI development algorithm, though, because that will allow us to go uh, for War Suns later, which I will talk about more in just a moment. So another thing to think about when it comes to slice selection is wormholes. Where are they? How much... How much access will they allow us to get to other players very early in the game? I just got done playing a miserable game yeah. where I could not... There were only three wormholes on the table. One of them led to one of my neighbors, useless, and the other led across the table, which is great, but it was the asteroid field side of the uh, alpha, and I did not want to invest in anti-mass deflectors. Ultimately, I probably should have, it would have yeah. slowed down my game considerably if I had, but it would have made me a lot of money off of being able to pillage my opponents. You don't want to be stuck in a situation where you have no way to get across the table in order to pillage the entire table. You want to be pillaging everybody. Yeah, okay? I was Joel R in that game selling stuff like crazy, and Hunter was literally never neighbors with me the entire game. That's how bad yeah. it was. Yeah, I was a complete non-factor in all of the ludicrous Joel R trading that was happening on that side of the table um yeah it just it you just want to make sure that there's wormholes and that you can get especially having a wormhole that you can get to uh on round one in yeah. order to pillage someone that's a big boon um right. not 100 percent necessary in uh every game of mentac but that's like kind of your christmas land situation that you would like to look for yeah what you're um, describing is like if the alpha wormhole is adjacent to your home system. Mm -hmm. You can send a cruiser through it to the other side of the alpha wormhole, thus making like potentially two neighbors of the people who are like ending yeah. up next to that wormhole. Yeah, having having more than two neighbors on round one, you're doing real good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's great. Um, I also want to talk about influence. It's very important uh, for Mentac that they have a decent slice for influence. It's important for every faction, but I want to break down why specifically it's important for Mentac. We are a faction that's primarily invested in smaller ships, uh, cruisers, especially in the early game. So anytime we're invested in smaller ships, that is that comes with the cost of command counters because we have more ships, right? Which means if we want them to be effective, we probably need to have a, fire, a higher fleet pool than normal. Mm -hmm. um, so we want these big, bigger fleets of smaller ships means more CCs, means we're a little uh, more CC starved, I would say. Um, I, I'm also bringing this from the game I just played where I had a lot of resources and very little influence and that was uh, not fun at all. And yeah. mirror computing did not offset that because you don't want to have a very, very slow early game as Mentac. In fact, you kind of want the opposite. You want to get a lot of good stuff done in the early game because you want to be able to set up your pillaging in a way that's really advantageous. Yeah. You want to be moving a cruiser to a beautiful, wonderful spot, and it sits there and pillages for uh, who, who knows how long in the game. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the times early game, because of ambush, nobody actually wants to deal with your cruisers. They're annoyed that, they, that they're being pillaged, and if they're going to be pillaged a lot, they might be like, it's worth the investment to just go kill that. Yeah. But ambush kind of makes things a little dicey for people because they're like, oh, that cruiser's going to get to roll two uh, dice at me in the first round of combat. 
which is obnoxious, which means I actually need to bring like a real fleet to do it. Right. Nobody wants to send a dreadnought to kill a cruiser in an empty space. Yep. That's exactly. not actually a good use of your time. Um, but that is kind of what it what's what it's called for in the early game. Let's just talk about pillage for like a while now. <laughs> that ability <laughs> for a while. <laughs> let's just have a let's just have a nice long pillage talk, okay? So pillage is your most complicated and also most contentious ability. Everyone has a different opinion on how to use it. No one really like I would say 100% agrees, and that is also how the tables work in reaction to uh in reaction to being pillaged themselves. Yeah. So you need to kind of get a read on them, right? You need to sort of sense like what kind of table is this when it comes to pillage? Are they going to be super upset if I pillage them even a little bit? So I would say like my my kind of way of handling this would be to, you know, pillage someone early the first time it comes up, use the agent and say, "Hey, we're both going to get an action card," but also firmly kind of let them know that like I will pillage you. I'm not going to just like not pillage you and then see how they react to that. If that player reacts very poorly to that, then here is kind of how I handle a table that hates pillage maybe a little too much. I would just kind of PSA, you know, don't be mad at somebody for you. I mean, they're, they're, they're a pirate faction. They're supposed to be, you know, stealing from you. So, I mean, don't be too upset at a Mentac for just playing their ability. Um, so whenever people react really poorly to it, the way I kind of see it is you use pillage as sort of a bargaining chip. You kind of have pillage, let pillage become an abstract idea of, hey, I might be pillaging you, but maybe there's a way that we can work this deal out where I don't pillage you and I still get something. You know what I mean? Being compensated in some way uh, is great. And if people are going to get way upset at you for having that one trade good, then you can definitely find another way to get compensated, whether it's via notes, via relic fragments, whatever. Find a way to get an economic edge without tilting your table. Because if your table if your table gets tilted at you, you do not have the kind of firepower it takes to play at a table where they all hate you. Yeah, I uh, I as I think you see this in um, really really experienced groups. They stop like freaking out about pillage so much, and what you can start to find is the way I think about pillage these days is essentially just the idea that like Mentac gets to have a seat at the table no matter what. That's how right. I view Mentac. I don't view Mentac as like, oh, they're always going to steal a dollar from me. It's like, no, 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 no. Most Mentacs these days don't necessarily pillage every single time if there's a way for them to profit in any way, shape or form off yeah. of the deals yeah. happening. So yeah, my, my perspective of a Mentac is just like, they're there, we have to factor them into the deal, and I just don't sweat it. Like, there, there were multiple deals that were happening where they were getting convoluted, but it was mostly because it's like, well, Hunter's over there, he's going to pillage, let's make sure we're doing this deal that just factors that in, and then we'll just be done with it. We don't have to sit here and stress about every single little thing. We just pretend every single deal has Mentac involved. Yeah, what I like to do, so let's say you're dealing with uh, a player has the trade strategy card and you can pillage that player oftentimes it's kind of tempting for them to play really shut down if you are going to pillage on every instance right so a lot of the times it can be faster and easier if you just sort of pre-negotiate with them if you say something like I'll, okay so i i will pillage you x amount of times um however that's not the maximum amount of times i could pillage and also i will use my agent at some point maybe even I don't know, working in some other uh, note into the deal. 
Just try and keep the trade person happy. Here's why. Maybe you're going to pass on some trade goods right now, but the more you encourage everyone to trade with each other and the happier everyone is with how many trade goods they have, the more opportunities you're going to get to pillage that you don't even know about yet, buddy. Right. You know what I mean? As long as you encourage everyone to keep trading, there are so many new components in POK. This is like the shadow buff that Mentech got that I feel like we still don't fully understand because people aren't just playing enough Mentech. They're just some weird people that like love it. Um, and then there's me. I love it, but I got all this work. I got to do it. I got to play all these stupid factions I don't want to play. Instead, I could just play Mentech and Sardak and Mentech and Sardak. And that's all I would do. I was just like you, listener. That's what I would do. I would just play those two and be like, I don't really like playing the other factions. They're lame. Um, but that ain't how it works, huh? Uh, so, yeah, in general, I would say uh, play nice with the pillage. Um, I know some people don't have this philosophy, and that's great because then they just are in a they, they probably just play in a meta and at a table where everyone just understands, like, that's just what Mentech does, you know? Uh, and that's cool. And if you're in that situation, you, you can ignore a lot of the things I said and just be the relentless pirate um, that the people around you will allow you to be. And I love that for you. Um, one thing I want to say etiquette-wise, don't try to be too sneaky with the pillage. It's not something that I think it's very fun, especially with newer players at the table. Now, again, actually, you might, maybe you have a weirdo group and they like, <laughs> gotcha, you know, maybe they like that, whatever, fine. <laughs> but in general, especially if you're playing with people you don't know, um, be pretty open about the pillage. Say things like, uh, as they're starting to negotiate something and you realize that they're not talking about your pillage that's going to happen, just politely say, hey, and just so you know, I will be able to pillage on this. And that's kind of also like a good negotiating tactic because you can sort of just get your foot in the door yep. and sort of say, hey, so I'm either going to get a little something on this transaction or you got to pay me off in some other way, right. which sounds great. That's also good. It's it's also just good strategy. Um, yeah, just don't try and do the thing where, you know, it's like people do the transaction and everything's all, they, con they said this complicated thing back and forth, back and forth, mm -hmm. back and forth. And then at the very end, you're like, oh yeah, and by the way, I pillage. And it's right. like, you could have spoken up, you know, let's... Let's try and play in a way that is both uh, good in, a, in a, a strategic way and also good in a recognizing that this is a long board game that takes time kind of way. Right. Um, I could talk about Promise of Protection, but I feel like I already kind of talked uh, a little bit about it, um, how its value is very up in the air. It's hard to explain um like what it is worth exactly yeah. i will say if someone wants to buy it from you and they're a neighbor you need to kind of i've had to explain this to people where they don't realize like they're like oh can i get promise of protection for like two uh and i'll be like well but but <laughs> no. it's think about how many times i'll be able to pillage you like yeah. you're gonna give me two now but like there's I, I think i might just take all the pillage that i'm gonna get off of you and i am now this is a difference now with POK, I feel like this has changed me a little bit. We used to talk about giving promise of protection to Hakan for trade convoys, which I think was some like anti-Mentac propaganda that we got fed <laughs> by some Hakan people. I do not understand how that ever made sense. Yeah. Um, I am I am not open to selling it to Hakan, Jolnar, or Empyrean anymore. Now, that does not mean that I am in some sort of mutually assured destruction. Like, I just want to annoy the really, really money factions all the time. Mm -hmm. That's not what I'm trying to say at all. But I'm just saying, like, if I give 
promise of protection to Hakan or Jolnar or Empyrean. Well, that's it for my leverage on those factions. Right. It's all gone. You, you are know? costing yourself money for sure by giving yeah. it to them. Yeah. Now, of course, it's kind of a time-sensitive thing to throw out there. We're talking round one. We're talking round two. On round four, if Empyrean just doesn't want to get, you know, pillaged for the rest of the game, they're going to give me four trade goods for it. And I'm like, well, how many was I going to get anyway? I don't even know. Yeah. Maybe I'd take that deal. I don't know. Right. Uh, somebody wants to buy it for the stall in round five, whatever, you know, <laughs> that's different. But I'm talking about game long, which I actually think because, you know, if, if you go back to the beginning of uh, this discussion, when we were talking about starting units, I've spelled out that we are a faction that would like to get tech round one because we got some tech needs. We've got to go deep yellow and get mirror computing. Uh, and we're probably going to need a few other things as well. Uh, and also, we want to get a second carrier. There's a reason that maybe we want to sell Promise of Protection at sure. the beginning of the game. Sure. Um, I would maybe sell it round one for like $3. Yeah. You know what I mean? To someone across the table. Go ahead. What do you got? I'll throw out one other just like reason you should be trepidatious selling Promise of Protection is Promise of Protection is one of those juicy notes that hangs out in people's play area. And then they score Betray a Friend. Uh, so, uh, not only is it like costing you money, but sometimes you're handing over, if they attack you yeah, and right. get the prom you get the promise of protection back, they score betray a friend off of it. So like, that's the other reason to be a bit trepidatious of someone who's just like, I just want it. I just, please, please. Like if they're really pushy about it, like just take a second to consider why they really need or want. That. Oh yeah. That actually, okay. Here's a good point. If someone wants promise of protection <laughs> you, they you probably can't it. afford to buy it from you <laughs> if they're if they're so thinking about how much they're going to get pillaged that they're like "Ooh, i want to buy promise of protection uh then nah but if it's your idea if you are going across the table and being like hey you there maybe you don't want to get pillaged from me and you have the trade strategy card this round maybe if i just get an x plus one and I just leave you alone and everything's yeah. happy. That's something I, I mean, I know some people might be chafing at X plus one, which is, I guess, technically two trade goods. Uh, I would probably I would probably go along with it if I was giving it to somebody that I don't care about. Like if I'm giving it to like Arborek across the table, eh, whatever, whatever, man, we got to stick the, our, us underdog factions got to stick out for each other. <laughs> um, let's uh. We can talk a little bit about. Uh, I think that's it for my for my for my pillage promise of protection. Yeah, uh, Randall, trady business. That's it. Right. Yeah. Uh, let's let's real quick talk uh, agent uh, a little bit more because I just want to make sure that everyone is aware of how good it is because I like it a lot. Um, it it is it is not mind blowing, but it helps you out in a meta way that I really enjoy. The fact that pillage has now been lessened in uh like you still get to pillage, but it's not as scary to the other player and they feel better about it that's just great um you can also rig it like so the, okay i'll say this there's no reason to not use the agent every single round there's no reason so just make sure you do it every single round and what i mean by that is you should you should just try and pillage every round and then when you pillage you use the agent right let's say you're having a real rough time uh you can also just give someone a trade good Say, hey, I'm going to give you a trade good, and then I'm going to pillage it right back, and then we can use the agent. And right. they're going to agree to that like 100% of the time. Right. Now, it's just a drawing of one action card, so don't try to get cute with it. I don't think it's actually, it's not like worth money, but just do it, because you don't want to waste that potential, and also it's an action card. And I think it's actually pretty neat 
that Mentech is a faction that probably needs a little help from R the RNG, and now they have a way to kind of get a little extra extra bit. So I like that. Yeah. We've already talked about the commander. I don't think it's really worth thinking about it. Um, you just got to think about that one instant when, you know, people don't have uh, enough notes in their hand and maybe they have a good one that you want. Um, the hero, we've covered that. Um, I will say in general, the hero is an important aspect of Mentech because one of their problems that maybe I haven't talked about enough is that in the late game, so we're a Cruiser 2 faction. We go for Cruiser 2 early. Uh, ambush helps us get through the early and mid game. And it also helps us uh, get uh, score, interesting objectives, difficult control objectives, stuff like that, possibly even uh, going after custodians, although I feel like that's kind of a tall order for Mentech, although it can happen sometimes. Um the hero is kind of that like, okay, let's kind of catch up and I'm going to win a big fight because probably turns out that we are having a game where, where it's round five and I need to win a big fight. And I probably don't have Dread 2, right? So Dread 2 would be helpful in the late game. If we're going into the late game and we've got Cruiser 2, maybe we transition to War Sons, which would be fantastic, but that doesn't always happen, let's face it. And even if it does happen... Even with mirror computing, it's a little expensive to do war suns, you know? Um, even at five trade goods, I'm like, this is a lot, you know? Yeah, right. Um, so I think I think the hero is necessary to use offensively as well as defensively. If you're not if, if you are not quite closing up the ten points, I would not hesitate to use it offensively. The most obvious use of for it is of course defensively, but that's in a situation where you are already winning the game people are trying to win slay you if you are trying to make it happen then do not hesitate to send out your flagship and you know some cruisers and use that hero to uh win a decisive difficult fight um because yeah your 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 fleets are going to need the help um you're very much a i would say kind of similar to ghost in that your late game strategy is to just use all those pillage cruisers out there as gum to block people from coming in, which obviously in POK, Lightwave is more of just a, a thing you assume people have. So that strategy has gotten worse. The other alternative is having some mechs on your home system is pretty great. You have a one planet home system. It starts with a PDS on it. Uh, those mechs punch pretty good. So there are definitely, I think, games where you can afford to stretch yourself a little bit in the air uh, use the hero to take a difficult position and then hope and pray that your mechs are going to be able to hold it out uh, on your home system in order to prevent people from wind slaying you. It's, it's, it's something that I think it's sometimes it won't work, but it's, it's also very, uh, very, very probable, very possible. Okay. We're almost done here. Let's, <laughs> let's just talk about tech and then we'll be done. Um, basically. So, <clears throat> Mentac, uh, very tech-dependent, I would say. This is a faction that uh, has some a handful of techs that are recommended almost universally, uh, and you kind of have to get them, and it's kind of a lot to get. Um, so, your required uh, kit is so specific. Um, and in the real world, though, you always have to keep in mind that there's going to be, like, like anti-mass is, like, the number one I, I would throw out. There's just going to be games where you have to get anti-mass, and that sucks. Nobody wants to do that. But you're just gonna have games where it's like, well, I need to get to this asteroid field, so I don't have a choice. So don't don't think of this as, you know, this is not dogma. It's not just these tech. It's kind of these are the minimum tech. And then there's all this extra stuff on top of it. I would say that Cruiser 2 is still 
necessary, y'all. I know some people say that if you don't get Cruiser 2 by like round two, then you shouldn't get it at all. Um, I feel like you you have to go for mirror computing, and and I feel like Cruiser 2 is the only thing you can really get in the meantime that makes any sense. Um, all of a sudden having to get 2 blue and go Dreadnought 2 instead of Cruiser 2, I just feel like that's almost like too much tech to ask for. With Cruiser 2, all we have to do is get AI dev, and then Cruiser 2 is the next tech. And then after that, we can start working on our mirror computing thing, and then possibly transition into War Suns to finish her up. That's kind of yeah. the good thing, right? We start with the red, we start with the yellow, we get AI dev, then we basically qualify for War Suns. Right. Um, the other way that you can qualify for Cruiser 2, obviously, is just having a green skip. I did that in my most recent game, and it didn't feel bad. Um, it felt fine. Psycho uh, also is green, and in a situation where you have a lot of tech skips, then that's how you'll qualify for Cruiser yeah. 2. It's not very hot because you're just researching a green in order to get Cruiser 2, so that's not super fun, but whatever. Well, the good news is most of the green skips are very cheap skips. Like it's a one, one or it's a zero two or what, like it's, it's generally stuff that doesn't hurt your game to use as an actual tech skip. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it's, it kind of just comes down to the faction tech. So I would say that mirror computing is 100% must get, uh, salvage operations is kind of just like just a little bit less 100%, but like still very up there. Like, I would say 85% of the time you should probably get salvage operations because, and I sort of uh, laid this out immediately, I probably should have waited uh, for here to just make this point, but uh, a lot of the times in successful Mentech games, uh, whenever you get mirror computing on, like, let's say round three, everyone just tightens up and they're like, well, we need to make sure that Mentech gets as few, you know, trade goods as possible. And then they start doing things like actually destroying your, your cruisers and making sure that pillage is... Uh, not possible for you and you don't want this you do not want to be uh, essentially people working on wind slaying you in like round three or round four that's not good and you're not not that type of faction to hold up to that kind of heat salvage operations though kind of saves your game because as people have tightened up you can still just attack their ships in order to gain trade goods i don't even really care about the other aspect of it it's it's not like it's not useful but it is uh it is not as big of a deal as still having a way always to to scoop up some extra trade goods. Because remember, every trade good to you with mirror computing is actually two trade goods. Uh, so even in a situation where, let's say in round four, you had to spend a whole bunch, and then a, a stage two spendy comes out for round five, well, luckily I've got salvage operations, so I'm just going to go hunting, and I'm going to find a way to put all this money together. Um, and then last, of course, is talking about War Suns a little bit. Um, I think it is very viable, it, I feel like in a lot of games that I've seen um, with Mentech, it just doesn't come up because it's like, that's not the type of game it ends up being. Yeah. But in a game where you need to smash at the end of the game, it's kind of the easiest transition point, right? right. Because right. we've gone down this weird tech path where we're like fully invested in yellow. We have a little bit of red, maybe a green and no blue. Uh, or if we do have blue, it's like DET or anti-mass, something like that. Um, so, hey, guess what? We're not recommending blue. Blue's not really on the table. We did it! Yay! I mean, I barely recommended Blue Tech for Joel Nar. I mean, you'll because it just doesn't matter. You're going to get it one way or the other. But this is an episode that is no Blue Tech. Hooray! Yeah, and always remember that, like even even Dreadnought One is a Dreadnought. You know, if if you need to defend your home system with Dreadnoughts, I, I I'm not I'm not advocating for some sort of your Cruiser Twos are like these utility ships. 
yeah. that are mostly about being out there and you know maybe they take take a mech to one specific planet and I'm gonna steal that you know so for the tech tech skip or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's 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 really cruiser twos are man not very good. They're they're not a very good unit, and even with ambush, they do run. I would say run out of um, they do run out of steam by like round three. Um, so I would say that your Achilles heel is your reliance on the cruiser two. So make sure yeah. that by the time you get to round five, you have some sort of answer to that problem. Now, maybe you had a blue skip and then you just get dreadnought two and transition to dreadnought twos. That's also possible. I'm not saying that that's not a thing, uh, but you probably don't have time for like deep blue stuff no. like that. That's probably not going to come up for you. And that's okay because we don't have to have a show where every week we just tell you to get blue tech over and over. And this is one of those weeks. Dang it. I, you don't I, need it. I think it makes a lot of sense to just say, like, listen, the, if you've made all this money and you did mirror computing right, you don't need Dreadnought 2s. You just need Dreadnoughts and your flagship at home to protect. Mm -hmm. Like, if, if everything else kind of went right, you have a handful of Dreads, a flagship, and your hero online, that's going to protect your home system from right. like quite a lot and you don't need any tech investment to make that combo work so like yeah. your home does feel all right put put two mechs on the planet and like you're you're kind of golden from anybody having like a significant answer to that and then it's all about what can you accomplish elsewhere and the, the it, to me it sounds like the difficulty is just that mid to late game cruiser stuff where you you can't rely on them so you you do have to find weird ways to get around that as one thing i like to do that that can possibly help uh, with this is uh, taking construction at some point, maybe in like round three or round four, if this works out, uh, getting a forward dock mm -hmm. in a weird place yeah, and saying, all right, well, I'm going to build my flagship out of this for the yeah, late game yeah. <laughs> and you're not going to like that. Right. But once that, once that flagship is out there, it's very like, uh, it's, Scary. it's people, people don't like, and sometimes people mess up and they're like, well, it only hits two on a seven, but it's like taking the sustain out of your dreadnoughts. Yep. That's bad. You don't you don't want that at all. Yeah. Now, obviously, against carrier two fleets, it's this doesn't matter. And yeah. like Soul like looks at this and they're like, oh, boohoo! I can't I can't sustain my advanced carriers. I don't do not I have four thousand fighters, so we're gonna be so, fine. <laughs> so even in the fourth moon, which I think is a good flagship, Mentac fans, you do need to be looking at your opponent. Who is my yeah. opponent, and yeah. what are they? What can they do? And is this actually a very good answer to what they do? You know, Barony, it's great. Titans. Shut up, Barony. Get out of here. Yeah. Titans, get out of here, Titans. Shut up. That's what yeah. I'd say. Yeah, I love it. Um, well, cool. Uh, that maybe, hopefully, that's an explanation of like why Mentec has this crazy win rate. I mean, the reason Mentec has a crazy win rate is because they actually do have a decent number of tools in their toolkit. But yep. pillage is just so annoying that they never get in in drafts where we have included bans. Mentac are a common ban uh, because nobody wants them in the game. Nobody wants right. pillage to happen. It's just annoying. Mentac and Hakan, I think, are the most commonly banned factions outside of the like, well, Sar and Cabal. You know, like, I don't know. They're, they're, there's just a handful of these factions that are just like they're a nuisance more than they are a threat to the win. Right. I'm not afraid yeah. of them winning. I'm afraid of them just being my neighbor at all. That's annoying. Yep. So Mentech falls in that, and that's why their win rate looks weird because they just never get played um, in games. But this year will be different. Oh no! Who knows yeah. what what the stakes of Mentech will be? I got a really saucy thing to say about Mentech, real quick. This is really spicy Give and me. saucy. So Mentech is like there's like this weird, you know, I would say small portion of the audience that is really into Mentech, and I would include myself in that. I'm one of the the Mentech heads. 
And uh, it's kind of similar to like the, the Muat people. You know what I mean? Like there's like Muat people and they're like, oh, I really like Muat. Muat's really good. And here's all these complicated reasons why. Um, and then they just like don't win in the tournament. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I want to thank our weird bears, Big Al Cappuccino, Squeamish Emu, Billy, Brasbird, Brian, Kaluin, Goondock, Son of Leto, Historia, Alice, Emlashevsky, Sunfax, Absol, Ricky, Rwise, and Fancy Zeeling. And I want to thank Mama's lovely larva, the uh, patience is a virtue. My son is also named Bort, Sturmy, Sturm, Boo Poo, Nerf Zerg. They, we have two Zerg uh references in our top two patreon oh, yeah. tiers fancy zergling and nerf zerg uh tautology is what it is dober Hwawa, frank g gazkio Rekka, jadim jedi uh they told me how to pronounce this the other day jadim jedi you- <laughs> carnal nuclear pasta rollo uncle baddie and teddy's jam for you hey and i want to say congratulations to, to carnal for making yeah. it through uh their qualifier really excited uh we've got you know and also if you're interested in uh updates on the qualifiers in general uh stads has some sort of like thing like write-up thing that's happening He's so doing a podcast and write-up it's called the qualifier report and you can I find it on it. podbean and he includes a whole run a, a type up of the script of those yes. episodes so uh stads stealing our job doing the tournament updates that we probably no, I love it. should be hey, doing. <laughs> hey, Stads, if you're looking for any guests or anything, I would love to be on. <laughs> would love to come on sometime, Stads. I love... I'm a good guest. I love guesting on podcasts, okay? Um, Galactic Council poll is out, right? And it should still yep. be going yep. at this point? Yeah. Yep. So your options are Expansion 2 Wishlist, which is the one that will win. Uh, second option is Philroy's Charity Ball Brawl dr- Draft. And then there's two options for two other games... Uh, that are not Twilight Imperium, which is Let's Learn Sidereal Confluence, sorry, uh, and Let's Learn Spirit Island, which honestly, the people that describe Spirit Island, it sounds like a game I should play. Yeah. Sidereal Confluence just sounds like more Twilight Imperium stuff. (laughs) Spirit Island actually sounds like something I should play. Yeah, right, Um, right. Okay, let's talk about Homebrewers Guild. (laughs) Oh, this has just been, it's just been a nightmare. So lately, um, we've been trying to, because of everything going on, um, we've been trying to to think about maybe doing the Homebrewers Guild game uh, not virtually right now. Yep. Um, it just feels like it's just a weird time. And everyone is kind of wanting to... I feel like everyone right now that is making content that involves Tabletop Simulator, the way they're looking at it is kind of the same way. And I feel like some people don't understand this, which is like, we really are wanting them to just do, do the, the right, right thing, thing. <laughs> like yeah. we're not we're not like sitting here being like oh like d- like all just happy to be upset about something yeah i hate this, um, <laughs> this sucks. And so basically it feels like a lot of things are just sort of suspended like just hoping that we're gonna get some some uh and, I, and at this point i don't even know what will be satisfactory yeah. which i i realize is uh just frustrating just some sort of uh just some sort of something i don't know if maybe somebody there would really use their imagination with I'll t- it. I'll, I'll, I'll spell say. it out. Yeah. Uh, get your Steam uh, forums in lockstep. Oh my God, uh, that's something it, you that's can do. That's a horrible place. Uh, hey, yeah. yeah, you deleted global chat, but there's other places people say terrible things that you are in charge of. Do that. And also uh, do an actual apology and look up what it takes to do an actual apology because that's what people want is like maybe maybe apologize to the individual person that this all started with that like might be that would be that might be good too pretty good 
That'd be pretty. And so, like, when you spell it out like that, it's like there's a lot of obvious things they can do. But that's yeah. the problem is that when thinking about this, I'm like, those things are like, that's like the the lowest, it's the bare minimum, the, and they that's won't like the, do it. Yeah. And then when we try to talk to them, there's no response. And that's why. So we're then it's hard to understand that's what That's why the, we're frustrated. Yeah, that's why that's why it's frustrating. So we got an interesting. Well, Matt has an interesting fix for now homebrewers guild problem and fix. Yeah. <laughs> so Matt's gonna do the homebrewers guild stream, not me this time, uh, and he's gonna do it IRL yep. in the real life yeah. zone. Um, <laughs> I have to build and make eight strategy cards. Oh my God, Wecker! I hope you're still around. Please help Matt. Yeah, um, please. I we need have to make to... these physical components. The secret <laughs> objectives and the strategy cards need to become uh, physical components that I can I, add. I think Matt. I'm so sad that I don't get to do this work. I with know because I know. If anything, this is bridging the gap of what I actually want Homebrewers Guild to be, which is like, yeah, we're gonna this year. We're gonna build the 2022 Homebrewers Guild is building like this weird project. I don't want that to only exist in the digital space. I don't want it to be a digital only game. I want to know if it can work in a physical space, and I want to play it. I want to. Print it all off yeah. and have it. I want to play yeah. test that weird game that we come up with. Yeah, so get excited for more. If you like our IRL streams, uh, <laughs> get excited for probably probably a lot of those for a while. Um, and then, I mean, everything else is just kind of up in the air. I don't just even know what mess. to say about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, I'm excited uh, to see what you come up with, Matt. I think it'll be really <laughs> funny. Yeah, it will be. Uh, hey, you can rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and Spotify. Please give us some Spotify rankings so we can shoot up the charts. Crush the algorithm under the weight of your five stars. Uh, you can also find information about our Patreon, our Twitter, our Discord, and our merch on SpaceCatsPeaceTurtles.com. Hunter Donaldson, I have a play of the week from for you. Uh, you can send us plays of the week and this Imperium Life submissions at SpaceCatsPeaceTurtles at gmail.com. Are you ready? I'm right. This has been one of those two-hour bangers. Yeah, this is a big one. Uh, so and here you we get go. A, and if you're a big fan of us, you get an old gamer's almanac on top of this. Like, Ugh. how much of your life is can you spend with us <laughs> this week? Too like, much. I can't. I'm I'm, <laughs> do, I'm tired. How how are you doing? All right. This is from N. Curry. <laughs> uh, I got to witness quite possibly the nastiest use of Van Hog and Benediction there ever Huge was. Van. Huge mm -hmm. van, the Van Hog, the Yin flagship, and the Benediction, which is the Mahawked hero. The Hakan player was running away with the game, having seven points going into round four, while the next closest was at five. They had guac, they had support swaps, they even had access to two more secret objectives. They ended round three by using their hero, along with War Machine, to produce two War Sons and four Dreadnoughts at home. Things were looking dire. However... Hakan's yin neighbor was elected Minister of War, and the savvy Mahawk player saw a window. With yin on initiative 2 and Mahawk on initiative 3 and Hakan on initiative 6, the plan was virtually foolproof. Yin activated his space dock system and produced the Van Hog, with the rest of the table supplying the five trade good towards its costs. Uh, as the writing was on the wall at this point, he then used Minister of War to lift that token and with his newly granted action, moved it into the empty space next to Hakan's home system. Mahawk then used his hero on the next action to helplessly pull that brand new Grand Hakan fleet into the Hakan, uh, into the Van Hog, which promptly blew up along with Hakan's hopes and dreams. Wow, that is... Uh... 
That's messed up. That is the meanest um, thing I've ever heard of in any game of Twilight Imperium. No Van Hog on the board, suddenly spawned, and within instance, next to Hakan's home system, and the entire Hakan home system flushed out, the new fleet destroyed. Hakan's hero, maybe not that great when Benediction exists in your game in any you know, context. <laughs> that's the thing about Hakan's hero is I feel I've seen that happen before with Muat, yeah. where they like build. Yes. This big fleet, and then Mua is just like, oh, that's a great Nova, Nova Seed target. And they just dunk right yeah. away. Like, it's just like, whoa, I wanted to know where to take my Nova Seed, and I guess that's where it goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it turns true. out putting too many units in one system just means the big powerhouse moves uh, have a perfect target to do the most. Sometimes it's like not even the optimal thing for that person to do, but like, we are all tempted by that allure, right? They're like, oh, I could just blow up everything in one go. That sounds yeah. super yeah. fun. Because <laughs> you just want to be, what, epic? You yeah. want to be epic. Yeah. You want to be epic, bro. <laughs> I want to be epic, bro. I'm trying to be epic up in here, you know? I want to come on down, be epic, go home, lay in my bed, be epic in my bed at home at night. <laughs> what does that look like? What is an epic bedtime routine for Hunter? Uh, lately, I haven't been able to sleep. Uh, I've had trouble sleeping, and let me tell you why. That's epic! Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not epic, actually. Uh, it's definitely not. So the thing about living in New York City oh is that it's really loud all the time, and it doesn't stop. Thank you for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles. And thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum. Preliminary Guide, Mentat, Coalition, and the Universities of Jomar, brother. Oh my god. You are, that is unintelligible garbage when you go that low. It is hilariously hard to discern. Okay, I wish, well, here, wait, I, wish wait, I could do I'll, IRL I'll, captions. No, I'll I do, love no, it. No, 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 no. Don't, no, don't worry it. about it, Matt. Don't, Matt, oh, I got okay. another take for you. Oh, I got okay. another take for you. Yeah. Don't worry. Hold up, hold up, hold up. I got it, I got it. new roommates in this place that you live and there's no way that they're well okay i know that sean's the only doing. one home that's why that's why I did that. <laughs> sean's the only one home so we're we, we're clear we can get weird we can be weird in the intro if sean's home hey matt can that go at the end can that be like a fun after a little <laughs> i was gonna just let egg? it be part of the intro but okay that's, this is the this is now the ending mm-hmm <laughs>